you could shit anywhere. Shit them, shit, shit on me. Shit in my mouth if you want. <laughs> but like, just don't shit on the couch. Like. <laughs> Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast, Australia's juiciest gaming podcast. I am Zach Jackson, joined by Adam Ryan. Hello. James Wood. Howdy. Dagwood Daddy Nathan Hennessy. Oh, yeah. And making her Well Played DLC debut is Chantel McColl. Hello. Nice to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 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 Pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> uh, no, it's great to uh, finally have you on here and uh, good to see everybody else. Nathan's got the red wine. I'm a mm-hmm. bit jealous, actually. I cracked a really good Shiraz the other night. I'm on the uh, Pepper Jack Shiraz, mate. That's my, That's my good, gold standard. Good, good drop. Mm. Good drop. Uh, how's everybody else? How is everybody going, by the way? Two thumbs up. Doing well. Two thumbs up. Had a good week off. Good rest. Rest the uh, the vocal cords last week. Oh, I actually kind of missed you a little bit. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Chantel, how are you? Good. Uh, very overwhelmed with work and uni, but getting there. Very nice. What are you studying at uni? Uh, creative writing. Oh, very nice. Very cool. Very nice. Um... I had a question, but I completely lost what it was. Shall we get straight into talking about video games? We have a massive packed, massive packed? We have a massive show that is packed with reviews and previews and directs and state of play. So we'll get straight into it. Now, we won't go, we won't do a usual round the room. What have we all been playing? But if anybody has anything that they really want to talk about, please do so now. I know James has got his hand up. Dying I, to, uh, I have something talk about something something special to bring to the table. Uh, so the past few days, I have been playing the 2015 title, The Order 1886. <laughs> oh, fuck's oh sake. no! Um, <laughs> I don't hate Wait, it. How? Wait, it's yeah, not bad. You, yeah, you don't. No, it, it is not a bad video game. Um, it still looks incredible by modern mm-hmm. standards. Yeah. Um, I think some of the texture work is obviously getting a bit faded at this point, but. Art direction and and vibe and and mood of the piece, I think, is pretty fantastic. Lip-syncing? Um, I think lip syncing pretty solid. Like the acting, I think, in general is quite compelling. Uh, I actually give a little bit of a shit about the state of the world. The individual characters are they're dudes. They are what they are. Um, but the world in which they inhabit, I think, is quite fun. Um, the gameplay reminds me of Red Dead Two in a lot of ways. It feels very like deliberate and as if I'm wading through molasses to do certain things in a way that feels like it's meant to be semi-realistic, I suppose, is is the idea of what they were going for there. Um, but between that and like the sort of hyper-detailed environment that you get thrown into, I just, I get very Red Dead 2 vibes, which is a, a huge positive for me. I, I like a game that makes me not have fun sometimes, if that makes sense. <laughs> so how much have you actually played? Um, so I tried to at least complete a couple of chapters before the podcast. I am nice. doing the basement of the hospital at the moment. How cool is that? Uh, is that where you have you fight? Have you first 
have you come up against the Lycans yet? Yes, several times. Yeah. Okay, so I think is that the scene where you're you got like the lantern and you're walking through the mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I really feel like if, if they'd made like more of a, a horror kind of game, it'd be very cool. Yes. But how agreed. dog shit are the Lycan encounters? Um, they are definitely the least amount of fun that I've had, uh, just because the the kind of bullet spongy nature of the whole thing and then clobbering over there to do the, the quick time event to kill them. It just, it doesn't flow the way that, yeah, exactly. It doesn't yeah. flow the way it should. Um, the cover based shooting though, I, th- I think is, is solid and, and yep. good enough to sort of propel you through that world. Um, yeah, well, you know. My only takeaway is we, he likes a game fun. that doesn't want him to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it's it's up there with Death Stranding. You know, like I, I enjoy a game that makes me work for my good time. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, no, I, I honestly didn't know if your enjoyment of that game was a joke or not. So I figured I would roll <laughs> the dice, spend eight bucks on it and find out. Um, <laughs> so uh, here we are. And it's it's pretty good. I will definitely finish it. Um, so yeah. Good man. I'm proud of you. You'll be asking Maybe, that question uh, more often when you find out what his top three games of all time are. Very curious I think, about I think, that. I think James would already probably know. We'll Is one of them a, Resident Evil 2 remake? Yes. Oh, that's okay. a good choice. Okay, Second yeah, I thought it was going to be like fucking Sniper or something. Second one's Resident <laughs> Evil 4. Sniper. That's not even a top fucking... That's top five. That's four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That wouldn't Easy. be in the top fucking 50, I think. I don't think I even nominated that in my entire list of top 100 game thingies that we did fair call and we'll chat about that later we will all right very nice um adam now you you have to play it yeah i suppose that's uh that's only fair isn't it i mean james is probably a better recommendation it's got the james seal of approval like i don't know what more you need from it at this point i mean now that james has recommended it to me i will play it you know all i needed was a recommendation from someone that wasn't me a real one, yeah. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> a real one. <laughs> uh, Shanta, have you played The Order? Uh, I played the first chapter and thought, this isn't for me, and put it down. <laughs> That's as far as I got. <laughs> that is such a diplomatic way of right, saying well, Jack, I thought it's been lovely to have you on the episode. Um, we shall see you next time you're invited on. No, um, now it's going to be never. <laughs> no, uh, very nice. All right, let's. Anybody else got anything they want to get off their chest that they've been playing? No, nah, cool. Let's get straight into it because we have shit loads to talk about. Um, I don't even know where to start. So maybe what I'll start with first, while I decide who's going to go first, we'll do some shout outs. All right, so the first one goes to the big dog himself, Kieran Stockton, who reviewed Metal Hellsinger um, and gave it a six. Uh, he, If you read his review, which is on the, on the website, he says that Metal Hellsinger enlists some all-star musical talent to bring its dream of metal-based FPS mayhem to life but stumbles in finding its gameplay rhythm. So his main uh, gripe is that compared with like uh, BPM. I can't, I can't remember what like what the game is fully called, but BPM bullets something. Bullets per minute. Um, oh, was that all? I thought it might be like bullets per minute, fuck yeah, or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's not actually on the beat. Like you just sort of play, yeah, it just sort of plays in, in the back where um, BPM is more like you have to play on the beat kind of thing. Uh, Harrison did a review for a Darwin 
uh, made game called One Dreamer. Uh, this is by P uh, F Two House, I think he's the dev, and it's like I think it's Gareth somebody, but he says that he gave that an eight and says that One Dream One Dreamer offers a unique chance to code someone else's dream, serving as an introspective tale that has you considering your own. This looks pretty cool. Um, it's got like a pixel art kind of style, um, art style. It's on Steam and something no just steam uh so that's that's there that's also on the website um good old kv he also he did a couple of reviews he did he did a review for the razor stream controller which you can read on the website i, I won't go too much into that check that out if that's uh what you're into uh he also reviewed splatoon 3 uh, and gave it an 8.5 saying that Splatoon 3 builds on everything that its predecessor got right, opting to further refine the formula rather than drastically update it. The thin array of new modes, weapons, and abilities is just enough for now, but longevity is going to be the make-or-break consideration for the game going forward. Review on the website. Has anybody else played Splatoon 3 at the moment? Negative. Oh, I think I played a little bit it. of the first one, and that's as far as I got. Cool. Cool. All right, that's... Pretty much the shout-outs. Uh, we'll start with... We'll, we'll, we'll go with the oldest first. James, um, you reviewed Still Rising, which um, went up last I, week. I did, I did, yes. Um, so Still Rising is yet another um, Souls-like, from soft kind of impersonator experience um, for better and for worse. Um, you know, we've just come off of Thymesia a couple of weeks ago and, you know... To, to have Still Rising come in and, and also attempt to put its own spin on things is is a welcome change. Uh, it does some really exciting things with the, the, the genre. Um, ultimately, it ends up being kind of a middling experience. Um, it comes to us from Spiders, which is a French developer best known for Greedfall. Um, and essentially, I think the idea behind the studio is that they are trying to, you know, capture AAA experiences on a AA budget, um, which is something I think that, generally speaking, is a very good thing for the industry. Um, I think having mid-tier development houses is fantastic. Um, and I can see where they're going with this. I think there's a good amount of ambition in some of its, uh, it incorporates some light RPG elements. So you get like a, a skill, not a skill tree. Um, you know, you can boost certain stats and whatnot, you know, your, your attack buff, defense, yada, yada, yada. Um, the big change that it brings though, is that you've got elemental based damage to incorporate throughout, a, uh, throughout all the, the weapons and whatnot. Um, and I realized that as I was saying, I was like, I've skipped over even the setting of this game. It's Paris. Um, it is set during the French Revolution. Uh, King Louis has uh, deployed a bunch of robots to suppress the masses. And his wife decides, I can't have this um, because not historically accurate, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, and sends out her own automaton uh, named Aegis, which is what you play as. A fully customizable robot. And you go and explore through relatively open uh, but small sandbox levels uh, to fight your way through bosses, eventually un you know, uncovering the great mysteries of, of robotic life in Paris at this time. It's fine. Um, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I don't think it's particularly great either. It's, it's a totally fine experience. It, you know, I made a joke about this at the time, but like it's another Souls-like 7 um, because it seems to be where these 
I'm not, I don't want to call them copy, uh, like imitations, because I think that does a disservice to the people that are making these games. Like, I think there's a lot of passion and heart that goes into these things. Um, but a lot of these people that are trying to emulate the FromSoft formula with, you know, admittedly interesting riffs on it still end up not quite understanding the, the core basics of why we like FromSoft in the first place. And so you've got things like a parry that doesn't feel particularly good, combat that's a little bit slippery, a camera that gets stuck a few too many times, and it just ends up being fine. Question. Sorry, okay. Right, sorry. <laughs> you kind of just stopped. Um, very good, very good. You gave it a seven, correct? I did, I did. Adam, like you seven. also reviewed it for <laughs> Press Start. Um, I have yeah. one question, but Adam, you tell me what you quickly give us your 30-second thoughts um, on Still Rising. I pretty well echo exactly what what James has said. We've we've talked about it in length. Um, it's yeah, it it is fine. It it's nothing offensive. Um, it very much is a Souls like experience on a on a double A scale. Um, I think as soon as you pick pick it up and play it, you kind of understand that. I I think it's admirable the mechanics they try to weave in. They try to get some verticality into levels and whatnot, which I think is. Um, a great idea. Not all of them stick. Um, but yeah, I think the setting is fantastic. I think that's what'll, what'll pull you through it. And the boss fights are genuinely pretty solid. Like the, Mm -hmm. not only the gameplay side of it, but the design for a lot of the bosses uh, are really, really cool. Um, one thing that really rubs me the wrong way though, is it's set in France during the French Revolution, and they all either speak with a Cockney accent or like a high English oh. accent, which um, I understand is probably a budgetary constraint, but especially being that Spiders are a French developer, it feels very, very weird. It's but so yeah. bizarre. I, I, I would have appreciated just even like a little like, uh, as yes, you must fight the robots. Like, j- do something, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's made worse because they throw French words randomly into sentences. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They really it, do. It's it like, oh, sacre bleu. Like, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you've got, yeah, like Marie Antoinette also with a high English accent. Like, that, it's just, yeah, it's very, mm-hmm. very strange. But, yeah, it's it's fine. And I think there's a place for fine in this, the, the Soulsborne kind of genre because there's definitely some real shit ones. And then, obviously, you've got FromSoft. So I think somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's fine. I'll, I'll throw in a quick two cents because I've only played the first hour of this and it strikes me very quickly how this is trying to again you say it's not copy but it does it's taking notes from a game that was more inventive 10 years ago like yeah Dark Souls is is getting on and this doesn't even come close to that kind of ambition I don't know I think, it, it kind of feels setting... like the genre or, or the, the, the Souls like needs a bit of a shake up in its ambitions yeah, I think it almost would have been better off being just kind of like an action adventure game rather. That's than what I said to you, didn't to, I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it didn't yeah. need to be a Souls like for what was on display. It could have played just like mm-hmm. a regular hack and slash game and been real kinetic, and it maybe would have been even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's something interesting with spiders at the moment. I think that you can see them building towards a, a pretty decent open world action RPG um, between like what they did on Greenfall and then the, the combat system here isn't bad by any stretch. Like it's, it's very serviceable. Mm. If you were to put this into a more narratively compelling game with some better level design, I think you'd have something worth talking about here. Nice. 
Very cool. All right, we'll move on. You actually answered my question, so I was going to say, uh, would this be better served as a action RPG rather than a Souls-like? So, well done for reading yeah. my mind. Okay. I try. Uh, Nathan, you've been a very, very busy boy. Mm. Um, you can talk about whatever you want first. Shall we start shit and get better? That's it's entirely up to you. Yeah, all right. So we're going to start with Made in the Abyss because that was something that I touched on in the <laughs> last podcast. So Made in the Abyss, for those that don't know, is, uh, or rather Made in the Abyss binary star falling into darkness <laughs> is quite a lengthy name of a title. I do not understand why they've gone for that subtitle, but it is an adaptation of the pretty fantastic anime and manga. So uh, first off, this comprises of two game modes. Uh, one is called uh, Hello Abyss. And this is effectively a retelling of the first season, which I think is 13 episodes of the anime. It's unspectacular. You're effectively going from these sort of zoned levels, like out of the older Monster Hunter games, where you're just kind of walking into an environment, fairly small, it's quite vertical. There's a lot of verticality because we're descending into an abyss. We are playing as young uh, cave raiders, effectively. And uh, we're following the two anime protagonists, Riku and Reg, as they're trying to get to the bottom into the netherworld and uh, find uh, Riku's mother, who's meant to be this like really advanced, uh, amazing cave raider. And there's obviously all this mystery surrounding it that I won't get into. It's a little underwhelming. Uh, it takes about four hours to knock off this mode. This mode is the first mode that you're allowed to play, so you are forced into this anime recap. Uh, the one positive I did give this anime recap is as far as games that try to recap an anime, I thought that this was probably one of the most effective that I've played, surprisingly, as it does copy the anime effectively beat for beat, like almost minute for minute. So you can wrap up the first season in just shy of four hours. You'll hit the credits for this in just shy of four hours and pretty much at the same moment to moment of the anime as far as plot progression goes, you're going to be reenacting these scenes in the game for better or worse usually worse it's it's pretty bare bones you're mostly just running through these zones in a race to descend the abyss uh there will be occasionally a couple of combat scenarios and boss fights thrown in again ripped from the anime uh and then it just kind of ends in this very unceremonious manner and uh, so it's neither here nor there it is a shame that you're having to force to be forced through this because it isn't overly ambitious and it functions effectively as a tutorial. And not everyone really wants to play a four-hour tutorial in this manner. So anyway, the main mode here is called Deep in Abyss. It's an original story overseen by the creator of the manga. It follows a player-made character where there's almost no customization in the player whatsoever. There's maybe like three different hairstyles and four different skin types. Then off you go. Um, genders, whatever. Uh, and then we're effectively doing fetch quests for the local orphanage slash school, which is going to basically have us rank up as the an explorer, start off as a red whistle, and that's the sort of novice rank. Off we go. So, yep, uh, all I can say here is this is an $85 game with Whoa. very little ambition. It looks like a PlayStation 2 game. It sounds worse than any PlayStation 2 game I've played. All enemies have about two sound effects at most. Uh, and all you're going to be doing for the next 16 hours of this mode is mostly just fetch quests. You're going to be sent into layers of this abyss. Go pick three carrots. Go pick, uh, go fish three fish and bring them back so we can make a potion for no apparent reason. Uh, fucking rinse and repeat. 
and that's what you'll be doing for 16 hours as you make your way down the abyss. Very unceremonious. Fails at every point. There's a lot of interesting survival RPG mechanics. None of them work. Buggy as all hell. 3.5. It's rubbish. I was excited <laughs> for it. I want to preface by saying that. I, w I am a fan. I was excited. Very disappointing. Worst game I've played for the site so far. Bought it on myself. Yeah, right. Woof. Was that well, a quick enough wrap? I think so. That's that's quick enough. Three point right, five so seems generous, considering <laughs> what you just said. Three point five is the by far the lowest score I've seen so far. But I think if you're yes. a fan, you'll probably meet it three quarters of the way. Except oh, no. I didn't. And I will comment and say it did kind of burn me out. I didn't want to play video games for the week after this. That's the kind of maddening <laughs> effect it had on me. Like I just felt nauseous sitting down with a controller after this experience, like seeing it through to the end. You ever get mm. that? You ever play a game so shit that it just sours video games for you for a bit? You just want to go outside and roll around yeah. in a paddock? Yeah, yeah I'll talk about one soon. Did that for me. Mmm. <laughs> All right. Back. Okay. All right. So so let's go to the other end of the scale and talk Forspoken. This is a sexy little nugget of a game. So uh, Bandai and Amco were kind enough to fly me over to Sydney to get hands-on with a special demo for Forspoken. Now, I say special demo. This is something that they claim is completely cut from the context of the game. As such, there was no story here. There was no plot, no characterization, no nothing. I was just given Frey, a tutorial, which was going to bring me to grips with what they call, at least in the marketing, magical parkour. Couldn't find any instances of them using that goddamn term in the game. In fact, it was the first question I had for the PR person. Did they actually say this? Uh, only internally. So hopefully that's only internal. Uh, if I could describe magical, magical parkour for you, just imagine that it's taken a vein from the game like Infamous, where you've almost got this super-powered... Uh, flare to your movement where you're effectively almost gliding across the terrain and it's very satisfying there's a lot of spark and animation as you do so the game world looks absolutely divine in terms of it is very lush there's a lot of greenery there's this frozen debris in the skies which kind of gives you this impression that this is a kind of maybe apocalyptic fantasy world it's post-civilization i was kind of getting some breath of the wild vibes except it is as i said in this demo very empty. There's nothing for me to sort of glean in terms of world building. So I was able to play around in this sandbox, for for lack of a better term, with no real aim or objective other than to fight a few groups of enemies, kill a boss, run to a few locations. Locations, there was no real sites of interest to see. I did notice there'd be a couple of abandoned forts, some interesting stone bridges, a couple of farmsteads. Farmsteads was quite interesting. You'd go to them and use them as a save point. Also, as a place where Frey can sort of catch her bearings and customize her cloak. From what I can tell, her cloak is her only form of customizable gear. So that will mean that as you go around the world, you'll be able to pick up like scavenge items from foliage and stuff like that in typical open world game manner, you know, just nondescript shit lying around in plants and bushes. You'll take them back to the farmstead and you'll fill a quota for your cloak, of which there are many, and they'll upgrade your uh, bonus fire damage stat from plus 3% to plus 5%. Really thrilling stuff with no visual enhancements whatsoever. So I was immediately bummed for the gear progression. So that was a bit sour. 
The enemy design on show was really impressive, although as I'm moving through this world, I can barely take in any of the atmosphere without getting accosted by another set of harpies, as cool as they are. Uh, they're constantly coming at you. Uh, now, as for... What else can I talk about this game? Because as I said, it was pretty bare bones. Uh, vertical movement, there is a, quite a bit of verticality. At the moment, it's not very impressive. That is one thing that is not quite like uh, uh, Infamous. So yes, you can sort of jump up vertical surfaces with a kind of time jump that doesn't respond very well. So quite often I'd get halfway up a cliff face towards an objective and fall all the way back down because I miss time to jump. Although you do get a magical lasso which can sort of uh, grapple onto crystallized protrusions in specific parts of a cliff face or what have you. But I'd quite often find that these are not placed in very intuitive areas. So I'd end up having to walk all the way around a goddamn mountain just to get to the top of the cliff in some instances. So it's an empty world. It's a beautiful world. It's a hostile world. Uh, you can barely get any breathing time before you're being assaulted. So in a way, it kind of reminded me a bit of like the, the Lord of the Rings war games like Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor and stuff like that where you, you can never breathe. Uh, uh, but there's one thing that I want to discuss that's not great. So you may have seen the trailer from a month back with the kind of what has been dubbed the sort of cringe dialogue, right? I'm in a freaking fantasy world with this. I got magical powers, dude. Like it's it kind of it's really bad off brand Bill and Ted. It's so much fucking worse in the game. She never shuts the fuck up. And it sounds mean. Frey's a really cool design character and seems like she would have... It uh, seems like someone you could almost get behind, but she's all F-bombs. She never fucking stops swearing. She'll go up to an enemy and go, Oh, another fucking enemy? Time to party! Whoa! Oh. And it's like, just stop! The entire 40-minute demo, she just wouldn't stop, and it was just always forced F-bombs, and the Australians in the room are going, Ugh, really uncomfortable because it's that kind of forced sweariness that we... that particularly us Aussies kind of really get goosebumped at when we hear it in video games. So the writing in this game, as I said, stripped of context. We don't know what the plot is. We don't know what her character is that she should be talking in this way. But bloody hell, it was painful. And she's always got a quip for every situation. And maybe there's a joke there. There's a potential. They're driving towards a joke. I don't know if the, the writer's English is like a second language. I'm assuming so. And the translation team has failed them. Because any attempt at humor falls flat. Any joke doesn't have a punchline. Any quip is referring to a context or an activity that you're not aware of. So that was painful. Our hope is that come January 24, when this game releases on PS5 and PC... Please play it on PS5. It feels phenomenal with a DualShock. The uh, the explosions, the conflagrations, all the different abilities you get to use support and attack-wise are phenomenal with the controller in hand and feel amazing and deal whop loads of damage. Hopefully the story can redeem this because at the moment, haven't seen anything regarding the story really and when our character opens her mouth, she is extraordinarily abrasive to the character. So I'm hopeful... Oh, there's a good game here. Gameplay is pretty mad. The world is empty. But the character is very obnoxious. How do we feel about that? You excited? I don't mm. give a fuck about anything else. You had me at Infamous. Give me yeah. this game. <laughs> I, I could see... I've played enough Infamous to go, this has that DNA in spades. Oh. Does it have the world characters and story to also carry it? Mm, I don't know. But as far as a combat successor, I think you'll be pretty pleased. It's stylish. It's fun. It's fluid. Feels I good. Am. 
very, very excited. You messaged me not that long after and, and told me about the, the like the similarities it had to infamous as, as far as gameplay is concerned and mm. I'm blocking everything else out. Good. And that's my focus. Yeah. Very my takeaway was this game feels like a, a halfway point between infamous and near, particularly the first near, particularly with the fact that you're, you're, uh, whatever you call it. Bangles are always talking to you in an off British accent. They've got a bit of banter between them. It's, it's, it's endearing enough, I suppose. The, but it's yeah, a shell of is, a good idea there. It's a shell of a good idea, yeah. I don't think this will be a bad game by any means. I think it will be aggressively good at worst. And that's all right. Mm. Mm. I, I saw... Um, oh, there you go. Sorry. Please go. No, no, please go. Okay. Um, I, saw, I saw Gita Jackson on Twitter was talking about the reaction to the, um, like the, the sort of Weedon-esque banter type dialogue. I also on. saw this. Yep. Yeah, and I, I thought this was like an, an interesting sort of lens to put on it and the way that we generally give a lot of video game dialogue that's pretty awful um, gets a bit of a pass for, for a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, I, I was going to ask sort of within the, the bigger context of what you played if maybe things felt a bit better, but it really doesn't sound like it does, um, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, this was so much worse than the trailer and I remember saying to Zach afterwards, as someone that shat on the dialogue in Saints Row... This was worse, mm. markedly worse. <laughs> no, I'm not fucking around. This was bad. Yeah, and I felt bad, bad saying okay. that because clearly we've got a black protagonist here, which I think is fantastic. She's a New Yorker somehow. You don't get okay. that. You just get that she's a very sweary, street smart kid. She's, okay. got, she's got a lot of guile and tenacity, but it doesn't come across like that. It just comes across like she's trying to make you laugh without actually telling you what the punchline of her joke is. And she's doing this every 15 seconds. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Big bummer. But hopefully, I, I haven't seen her in action in like a, a cutscene or anything like that. So that could be a marked difference. I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3 at the moment. The in-game dialogue for that is fucking atrocious, and I love that game. I would give that game a 10. I'm about halfway through it. I think it's divine. Those characters outside of cutscenes are god-awful. So that's not enough to kill my enthusiasm for the game, but it is a noticeable caveat from my impressions. I wonder if um, there will be a subbed version of the game sometimes Ooh. if I watch like really Japanese weeby New content. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll take uh, it. It's it's way better to like watch something or read something in subbed. When you hear it in the dubbed version, it just sounds so cringy. I, I suspect that could be the case. As I said, this doesn't strike me as something that's been written by a native English speaker. This strikes me as something that's been written by an ESL that's had middling translation work and they've just missed the point of most of what was being said i'm hoping that's my excuse as being an apologist for this game (laughs) so i'm still hopeful Hmm. i got one question go for it but it's for adam are you wearing a turtleneck I am wearing a turtleneck. It's really oh, he's cold. Looking, he's looking real sexy tonight. Uh, yeah, for the viewer, he's, he's channeling his inner Steve Jobs. He's got none of the features of Steve Jobs, but fuck, he pulls <laughs> off the uh, the outfit. His early Halloween fit, yeah. Thank you, thank um, you. I'm not going to shave my head, I refuse, but thank you. Good lad. He's got luscious locks. You'll see him at PAX. Yeah, right, okay. So 
would you say that Forspoken met your expectations or you were underwhelmed a little bit? You know what? I didn't watch the Gamescom trailer for this and I said that to PR straight up. So I said, I don't know much about this game. I've just seen some sizzle reels. It met my expectations, if exceeding them. So I, ex- I was a little bit hesitant in the fact that the marketing around this game is a bit poor. Like they keep going on about enter this fantasy world with over 100 magical powers. And they keep, you know, touting things as being big and grandiose. And the grandiosity is not really the selling. It's not the appeal of this game. As I said, as big as the game world is, it's empty. Or at least this is empty. But just those hands-on moments when combat flourishes and the, the traversal feels right, it strikes me as a almost a system seller for the PS5. You can't play anything that feels this good in the action-adventure sphere on the PS5 at the moment. I would argue. Okay. So we'll see. Okay. Mm. Um, if anyone else is interested, it's worth giving a uh, skill ups video a watch. Uh, big fan of the podcast. He, um, yeah, definitely go check that out. Cause that's a, that, that's an interesting watch uh, for a man who's normally not, uh, not scared to give a hot take. Um, there's some interesting bits in there. Uh, for, with his take on it, which is it largely agrees with you, Nathan. Um, <clears throat> a bit more cynical, yeah. perhaps? Perhaps, perhaps. Oh, bearing perhaps. the lead. All right. <laughs> I'll Give watch it a watch. It <laughs> All right. Um, I will take over and I will talk about Broken Pieces. Um, and I fucking hate this game. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is a, but it's okay. It's not actually not a bad game, but it's a bad game. Um, and a bit like Nathan, this made me just hate playing games. I hated playing this. I hated every moment of it, um, which is a shame because I was, I was actually quite um, quite keen for it. And looking at on Steam, it's got fucking very positive reviews and that angers me even more. Um, oh, I can relate, man. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> so I have not rolled credits in this game and it's very, very rare that I do not roll credits, but I just couldn't. I just could not go on. So... This is a game I've spoken about before because I have done the... I played the Steam Next Fest demo, I think, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, Cool setting. So this is where you play a a girl named Elise and you're in this French coastal town where everybody sort of fucked off to the rapture or some shit like that, Um, and it's just you by yourself. You're in this abandoned um, coastal little town where there's obviously some, some crazy shenanigans going on uh, under the ocean because they're doing like research and stuff like that. Uh, this lady's, uh, Elisa's partner who's vanished, um, is somewhat part of it. And you, you, and you, you kind of uncover his uh, role or his part in this mystery that's, that's, that's going on. So it's like a, um, it's like an action adventure, but it's got uh, dyna- uh, not dynamic, fixed cameras uh like in like the old school like re kind of game so you get that fixed camera angle it's got combat um but and this is where the game just sucks ass massively like the combat is almost the worst i've ever played i just i cannot it cannot be stated how terrible this combat is so you can't move it's kind of like re4 where you once you aim the gun you've got to stand still but you don't it like auto aims onto characters and the longer you hold the aim onto a enemy which are like soldier ghosts by the way um (laughs) 
it like the longer you hold on, yeah, like you you hold down the the aim button, the the better the aim is. So, and all you really have is to like hold like the L two and like a circle, I, I think, and do like a dodge, or you can step back out of the way, like when they attack. It's pretty shit. You get boxed in, so it's one of those things where you're you're gated into like an area until you kill all the enemies and can can progress. So if you're like boxed up right against the barrier you can't you can't go back and it's just it's terrible it is tacked on it's ham-fisted it sucks i hate it just with every fiber of my being i hated it um you got even more negative superlatives there god it just <laughs> it is so like i just can't my words just don't describe how much i hated yeah, it yeah like, you really got to see the visual here folks um but yeah, so it's very, very poor. Like this game would would be infinitely better if it didn't have combat, because the world is actually really, really interesting. The story is somewhat interesting, but I kind of get get the the vibe. It's gonna be a bit of a flop. Um, it's kind of not gonna have the the ending that I'm I'm hoping for. It's kind of point and clicky in its puzzles, but the clues and the signposting, because it's almost like I don't want to say like an open world game, because that's not true. You have you go into all these like different areas of like the world, um, and one of the puzzles I actually got stuck on one of the puzzles. So I played the demo months ago, and I could actually reload back into my game from the demo, which was quite you know pretty cool. Um, didn't have to go back and backtrack, but I forgot everything that happened, so I chose to go back and play it. And I'm just because I've got so much on, I was like, fuck, I'm just gonna I'm gonna brute force through this part just to kind of get the story beats. I got to this puzzle and I was like, fuck, I can't remember how to solve this puzzle. Went onto YouTube, watched a demo gameplay walkthrough, got the thing, the puzzle. Yep, cool, I'll figure the next one out. So basically you get this this circuit breaker where you fang it into a, a little gate block power thing and you got to rearrange the cables. And I was like, how the fuck did I manage to solve this first puzzle? I have no memory of how I did it. There's nothing like in like the guidebooks, not guide, but like in like the, the guides like that are within the game. I was like, how did I even manage to do this? Eventually, I actually messaged the, the devs because I was like, I just cannot figure out this fucking puzzle. Like, and it's shitting me up the wall. Um, turns out I just had to look up um, and there was like a... Because there was this... It does sort of tell you. It's like, oh, it's... So, hang on, hang on. I forgot, I forgot to tell you. You have this gemstone that can alter the weather. So... Um, <laughs> so you can... All right, cover. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Hang on, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> I don't really know why or how or like I haven't got to the the story part that is about that. But apparently, old mate Pierre, who just up and up and vanished, he found this rock or something, gave it to the missus and was like, "Here you go, have a blast." <laughs> um, so you, you can now hit triangle or Y or whatever it is, and it basically turns it into raining and wind. Um, and this does things like knock down trees. So you might have like an axe, but the axe might, you know, the axe isn't quite enough to chop down the tree. Yeah, mate, the power of wind. So you summon <laughs> the power of wind and the fucking tree falls down, right? Um, anyway, this game fucking just blows. Anyway, um, so yeah, so there's that. You got this gemstone. Um, so with the wind, you had to wind open the fuse box uh, like the part up the top of the fuse box which showed you the diagram of the cables and i was like yeah of course fuck me right for not doing that um anyway so this is like i, I just don't like it i don't like this game and like anything about it though i do 
Yeah, there there is another cool thing where you um you pick up tapes. She ha- she owns this like tape deck, and just it reminds me of you know grade twelve walking around St Pat's with a green blazer and a discman, listen to or whatever. So she's got this little tape deck that she finds all these tapes around, and she listens to it. And you can walk around, and the husband or the boyfriend, whatever it is, he's written her songs. You know how good. Um, and she'll find this tape and she'll put it in and walk around. It's it, it's it's a pretty cool mechanic, right? But yeah, it's just I don't know. The game just stinks. I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, I refuse to play it. I tried to like I, I went back and there's you went into this like dream state, right? And the saving. So okay, the other thing is it's all God. There's so much about this game that so. <laughs> You have a time, so, so each it's kind of like a game we'll talk about later on. Actually, no, it's not really. That's a don't know why I said that. But you have like after like you have like a clock, right? And you have to make sure you do shit before eight eight, eight o'clock, or the soldier ghosts are out and you know super force. Um, every time you want to heal, you can go sit on a bench, but healing won't heal you the whole way, and it'll take two hours out of your clock, right? So you then got to go through all these locations. Fucking do what you gotta do. Walk around all these halls, this bullshit, trying to find these dumbass plates for this lock thing you gotta get, and go. Oh shit, it's five o'clock. Traveling back to the house takes two hours. So you gotta go back, go back to the house, sleep, wake up the next day, travel all the way back. Oh, you get hit by a couple of soldier ghosts because you can't backtrack anyway. Lay down for four hours because your health is three quarters <coughs> gone. Go back again. Fuck it. We'll go back and have a nap. Come back and start again the next day. This is the game. I hate it. <laughs> It's an allegory for labour, mate. <laughs> like, it's the modern there's, struggle. There's some very, very cool mechanics in this game, but just the execution just... I probably would give it a four, and I feel like I'm being generous. What? A four? Because Please talk about what scores me if you're going to give it a four. I'm probably making it sound way worse than what it is, but I think I hate like, this the world game. is very I refuse cool. to play it. It's the premises, fool. but the game, like, the, I just cannot, this cannot be explained how infuriating and how tedious the gameplay is. But there are ideas there that just haven't been, like, like the whole time thing is, is quite cool. The fact that it eats two hours of your time to heal only a portion of your health, that can just, no. No, thank you. Um, I don't know. I'd wager that that rundown that you just gave us is far more entertaining than the game itself. Yeah. What a time. <sighs> Sounds like a better game than Maiden Abyss. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, I don't know, man. Like, the, like there are interesting parts, but like the combat, man, like you just. That reminds me of the combat in the quarry. For me, that oh. was just detestable. It was terrible. <laughs> the quarry compared to this. The quarry has like the best combat on earth. Oh, no. <laughs> Four out of ten. Any game. <laughs> like I even pushed through Troll and I, and I gave that game a two. <laughs> and but this just, is a four. That well, that game just sucked on every level, like Troll and I. But this has just got it's got little bits that just make me want to keep going. But then I just play the gameplay, and I'm like, this game can just go and burn in a French ocean fire or something anyway let's move on to um the next game who wants to talk about something because i don't want to talk anymore (laughs) games are dead to me uh adam speaking of things that suck talk about the game that you played he's bringing in the segues i love to see it 
Uh, it's my favorite game of all time. This game fucking is is tailor made for me. It's uh, it's called Justice Sucks Tactical Vacuum Action. If that's not this is a Melbourne developer. It is a Melbourne developer. Yes, it's um, Samurai Punk. I believe. Two of your favorite things. Mate, what an absolute bloody time. They also do apparel, I found out, and it's got KV's name written all over it, but that's another story. I'm checking um, it out now. Yeah, have a look. You'll you'll agree with me. But yes, in this game, you play as a Roomba-like vacuum named Dusty. It's already a 10 out of 10. Um, more or less, you, ha- you notice that there are thieves breaking into your, your family home, the McLean Mick Clean household. Hilarious. Um, so you decide to break away from just dust busting and take care of the, the intruders. And you do so by hacking electronics around the household. So that can be causing ceiling fans to fall down, uh, causing the microwave to explode, PowerPoints to like spark violently to take out these intruders. Um, you do that by just straight up killing them. You, you're a murderous little little robot vacuum. Um, but you can't just leave bodies and blood lying everywhere because then you wouldn't be doing your job properly. So of course you need to chew up the bodies and suck up all the blood and make sure the house gets put back how it was. So that's kind of the, the crux of the game. You deal with all of the enemies in an area and then the game goes, oh shit, quick, clean everything up, away you go. So the, the two halves are like stealth action and then like a cleaning sim to finish off the level. <laughs> so it's like it hits on just every level for me. I love it dearly. Um, but after the first couple levels where it kind of introduces you to the core concepts, uh, the, I can't remember what they're called. They've family corp, I believe like the, the big conglomerate that makes dusty, uh, finds out that more or less he's too good at his job, so they send over the the warranty squad to destroy him and abduct the family because you know they're a faceless corporation. Why not? Uh, so from here you get thrown into a TV and more or less sucked into like the the digital scape, and you meet your digital avatar called Sexy McLean, which is literally like a big hench body with a little robot vacuum head. Uh, and I now dream about him every night. He's delicious. Um, but yeah, from here you gain abilities, uh, to like drop little proximity mines or turn invisible, or you can summon sexy McLean to punch the, the face off, uh, the bad guys. And you power these abilities by sucking up blood. So you take out enemies, you build up a blood reserve, and then you can use it to, to activate the abilities. Um, they're good. The abilities are good. They're a little bit forgettable. Like you can more or less just slot three in and use them throughout the entire game. You are drip fed them, but you, there's no real incentive to change them up. Um, so they're there, but they're not super exciting. There's perks as well, but similarly, they're kind of just tacked on and, and not super exciting. Um, there's about five or six levels. There's the family home, there's a cruise ship, a disco, and then the family corp offices with a few other mixed in. Uh, and there's a few different mission types that you can do throughout. So there's invasion, which is waves of enemies that you have to take out. Um, rescue where you have to go and collect your family members and drop them off to like a safe point. Um, elimination, which you have to take out enemies in creative ways. So not just, just, you know, using the washing machine to crush them every time you have to do it in a variety of different ways. Uh, and my favorite is cleaning frenzy, which is literally just clean everything. There are no enemies, just go and vacuum. 
So that's up my alley. Um, and you have to do a certain amount of the levels in the area to then unlock the next level. You don't have to do them all. You can pick and choose your favorites. So if like me, you're not a big fan of the, the stealth ones because they often have modifiers on them like um, don't get detected or uh, if you're detected, it's just an instant fail state, which I'm never a fan of. Um, so you can just completely avoid those if you like. Uh, and then you move on to the, the next area. And then once you complete the game, it unlocks a whole bunch of different uh, whole bunch of different extra missions for each area. So you can go back and try to better your score or go back to the family household, which I think initially only has like two levels, but then it unlocks like seven or eight more. Um, game's very short. It's like, I think I knocked it over in about two hours, but it has a high level of replay replayability because it's got like that, uh, like the ranking. So from C or D straight through to S plus. So you kind of, you're incentivized to go back with the abilities that you unlock later in the game to the earlier levels to try and better your score. Um, it's, it's not something that I see myself coming back to all the time. Cause as I said, the abilities don't change things up massively, but I have an absolute blast from the, the two or three or four hours that I've put into it so far. I think it is a great little puzzle action game that kind of toes the line between the two genres. Uh, and it's funny as hell. Like it's a very meta little game that has these jabs at pop culture and it's very tongue in cheek. And yeah, it's, it's an excellent little puzzle game that is sitting around the eight out of 10 for me currently. Solid. Solid. I'm sorry to be that guy, but I want to go back and talk about broken pieces for just two more minutes <laughs> because I have remembered a very important thing with this game. Okay. Okay. So they, you have a limited inventory, right? And you pick up and there's crafting in this game. I just fucking hate this game, but there's, there's crafting, right? There's crafting in this game. So you, you have like an inventory of like six fucking spots. You go through, but you can't craft on the go. You have to, you can only craft overnight by putting the shit that you pick up that can be crafted into your fucking toy box or whatever it is. And then you wake up in the morning and the bloody crafting fairies have done it for you, right? It's there and you pick it up out of the crafting box. So not only do you have do you have items that you pick up as you go through these other locations that you can't fit because you've got the crafting shit, you've got to drop it or go back and sit craft it. Half the time stuff when I wake up, the crafting fairies haven't even been there and I've still got this bloody... Anyway, just fuck that game. But I just wanted you to know about the crafting. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's talk about a good thing. Let's another good thing, and another Australian thing, and uh, why Chantel has graced us with her presence. Let's talk about Wayward Strand, a game that we've spoken about many, many times on this podcast. But Chantel, you have reviewed the game for Well Played. James, you reviewed it for Press Start. Um, Chantel, you're 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 also no stranger to this game. You've been covering it for a while yourself as well. Um, now that you've played the whole thing and experienced it, uh, tell us about that yeah so um wayward strand for people that don't know um is a game that's set on an airborne hospital in 1978 and it follows the 14 year old casey who is quite an awkward young uh aspiring journalist and she joins her mother who is a nurse um to work 
at the Airborne Hospital over her summer holidays for three days. Um, She's assigned to the elderly ward and essentially all she has to do is just get to know um, the elderly patients and spend time with them. So that essentially is um, the whole game and the whole uh, objective of the game in the sense. Um, But the real, how should I say this, the 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 real gem I guess and so <laughs> I'm freaking out <laughs> <laughs> um I really really loved the game and I might be a little bit biased just because I've interviewed the developers a few times and I've gotten really close I guess to what their intention is behind the game so in a sense the whole game isn't really about interactability it's about the narrative and it's about um verging away from uh what's the word from a player agency right so instead of focusing on or, or focusing on characters um who have control and you as a player who does everything um and you know decides the outcome of the game instead we are just really an observer and we're just observing what's happening we're observing the narrative um you know they are the developers go into um, in one of the pre- in one of my previous interviews I did with them. They go into this whole idea of simultaneous storytelling. So it's just a multi-narrative that goes that is happening all at the same time, um, which is very different in I guess a narrative-based game because usually it's very linear. Um, or especially in a, in a narrative-based game that doesn't have multiple endings. There's only one ending and no matter what you do, you really can't change the outcome. So you're just there experiencing everything and it's really questioning um, what is player agency and is it actually really needed in video games? Can you still be engaged in a video game without having control or agency over what is happening? Um, So that's one side of it that I really, really enjoyed. And the other side, of course, is the actual narration. What's really interesting about Wayward Strand is that the cast is full of um, elderly characters. So instead of, you know, usually today we're seeing a lot of focus on young people or teenagers. But what's actually really interesting... for me anyway was that they've been able to make a really engaging game that focuses entirely on the elderly and the elderly life and the struggles that they have um it's has a very calm uh calm sweet and often very sad tone to the game because you have these characters that are you know not knowing how to deal with grief or understanding that they're going to die soon or they don't have any family left. Um, and it's honestly, it, it's really sad. And the great thing is because it's, you know, a multi-narrative, there are, time, there are times that you're going to miss really, really important and heartbreaking parts of the story. Um, there's one part in day two when... Mr. Proust and Dr. Bouchard are talking 
Um, and it's about Dr. Bouchard having cancer and she wants to go home and they're not letting her go home. Um, and they are sitting there and they're talking about death and how Mr. Bruce wants to help her. And it's really sad. <laughs> and it got me. I started crying. Um, <laughs> but the wonderful thing is, is that you could completely miss that in your first playthrough and not, I guess, get that deepness of character until maybe the third or fourth time through. Um, so I think the narrative at the end of the day was really, really amazing because it's something that we don't get to see very often. We don't get to see the voices of the elderly and their hardships get talked about at all. Like how do they deal with dementia and pain, not being able to get around anywhere. Um, and I feel for a lot of people, this game is going to be, um, really nostalgic for them really nostalgic for how they feel about their grandparents or a loved one. For me personally, I work in elderly caregiving, so it really hit a strong nerve for me because I see this all the time and it's so true that there's a lot of isolation um, when it comes to the elderly. Um, I went on tension about that. <laughs> the, the other side of it as well is that we have Casey who goes through her own transition at the same time. So it's this very interesting um, uh, narrative balance between the elderly and Casey who she's, you know, 14 and they're in their 80s or 90s and they both feel very unsettled and not quite um, purposeful in their life and so it's almost like a coming of age for both sides of life in a way and I think that juxtaposition is really beautiful and I think they meld that into the story incredibly well um, so just for like narrative alone the game is phenomenal and the voice actors did an incredible job at getting across emotions, their pauses. You get more out of the characters, like the less they say than anything because the dialogue's very short and snappy. It's very realistic. They don't go on and on about stuff. Um, it's more of show, don't tell. And I feel like that actually worked in their favor. Um, I do feel that Maybe it was just my game, but the game was a little bit buggy um, with the audio and the dialogue, and that's why I didn't give it a 10. <laughs> but otherwise, it was a 9.5 for me. <laughs> that's good to hear. That's, that's uh, Yeah, it's been – yeah, definitely we've talked about it a lot, so um, it's very, very good to hear that the – the game has turned out well. I've played one playthrough. How many playthroughs did you do out of interest? Uh, I've done three so far. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, <clears throat> and still going Were they through. all very different in terms of the... Because I, I feel like this game is very much uh, that, that, you know, that sort of saying that it's not about the destinations, it's about the journey. Because um, and, and you sort of said that, you know, the the ending is pretty much the same regardless. So, But it is about the stories that you uncover um, on each sort of journey through those three days? Yeah, so I feel that the the overall story doesn't change all that too much. In different playthroughs, I guess you get to see particular moments 
that you mm. miss. So there's particular moments that will hit harder if you followed that particular storyline. There's you learn more about certain people. Um, it really it like not much changes or like you don't feel like you get like a whole lot out of it but it's more so that you miss scenes and when you get Mm. those scenes you think back to your first playthrough and you go oh this makes sense or like I really feel for this character now like through my first playthrough I hated Esther the whole time that character really annoyed Mm. me oh my goodness um but the more time I spent with her (laughs) the more time I understood (laughs) Yeah, so I guess, um, yeah, like my question kind of is um, there's enough uh, like multi-narrative stuff going on at each uh, time of the day that there's enough going uh, to facilitate like multiple playthroughs. Like by like the third playthrough, you're not sort of bumping into stuff that you've, mostly stuff that you've heard before or it's new stuff again kind of thing? Um, I would feel that I'm definitely bumping up against a wall um, that I've kind of like ran its, it's run its course now for me anyway. I know there's some people who just like to play and play and play, get all the achievements sort of thing um, because it's, the game's quite short. Like I'm, I can get through it in like two hours sort of thing. It doesn't, it really doesn't take that long. Um, but Sorry, that just threw me off. <laughs> um, but I've completely forgot your question. Let me let me jump in then, because I want to I want to kind of refine what Zach's asked. I've been curious this whole time. So, if I'm to play this game, normally when I roll credits, I'm pretty happy to you know wipe my hands of the game. That that sounds nasty. But based on your experience here, you'd probably be saying, I'm assuming two playthroughs you're getting a fairly satisfied experience like you're seeing you're you're making the most out of the journey as that calls it you've you're getting as much out of these stories as would probably be satisfying so two playthroughs probably is it would be ideal for most players or one you reckon is going to be what most people are going to come and settle for i feel like one playthrough is what most people are gonna settle on i played through it multiple times because i was reviewing it um Hmm. yeah of course yeah and i think i think if i if i just bought the game i probably would play it two times because i know the developers really liked that idea of replayability i think as well what they're attempting with the game is to kind of just sit with it so you have an option in the game to just sit with the the uh, patient that you're with and not do anything right so and they might not even talk to you or interact you're just kind of the whole idea is that you're just being right that whole idea of that just like you don't have to do anything there's no agency you can take your time so that's why i think there is a lot of replayability in the fact that you can take it slow and you can take like take it very casually and you don't have to do that much but you're still i guess interacting with the game that you're doing something with the patient almost like a real person um i think it at the emotional core of it. I think if you're a very gamified person that really likes just go, let's go and quickly get through things, this game probably isn't going to rub you the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I can understand that. 
I do think it's a it's a very niche kind of game. Um, yeah, Jane. So before we before we jump jump into your thoughts, uh, I don't know if Chantel said. I think she may mention it, but forgive me if I'm repeating it. But this is set in the late seventies in Australia, so it does have a very heavy Australian um, like vibe and sort of tone to it. But James, you also reviewed it, and mm-hmm. um, what did you think of it? Um, I, I agree with most of what was just said. Um, I think for me, uh, I, I went with one and a half playthroughs basically, um, uh, because by the time I got partway through my second playthrough, I felt that it was, um, for me, at least my interpretation of what it was doing with like the themes of time and the mechanics that it was playing with. For me, what I missed was as much a part of the experience as what I, I saw. Um, and so I think that, when, when I went, started going back through and I was like, oh, okay, now I've gamified it in my brain. It stops being a narrative experience in that point and becomes more of a video game again. Um, so I, I ended up just being like, you know what? My, my time was my time in that game. Um, and I'm happy with the choices that I made. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Mr. Proust. He was MVP for me by far. I, I adored that man. Every morning I got up to that ship, I was like, I'm going to watch the sunrise with him and I watch the sunset with him. Um, it was just, it was beautiful. Nice. Yeah, and I love you... Mr. Proust as well and Tommy. I spend a lot of time oh, in Tommy's Tomy. room. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned something that um, I quite liked as well, the ability to just not do anything, like part of the conversation we were being just sit for a bit. Um, and then in those absences, sometimes uh, the patients will engage you in a conversation instead um, and l- giving them that space. Uh, for me, at least, you know, spending time with some older people as well, like giving them the room to feel comfortable to move at their own pace during a, during a conversation or interaction, I thought was uh, very nice as well. Uh, I think one of my favorite characters was Ted. Uh, I really enjoyed him um, and these comics that he was writing. Did it, did you? I Ted. I the crane operator. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it's Ted, I did not yeah. spend much time with him. Okay. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He he um yeah he actually writes comics on um like Aboriginal culture and stuff. And oh, awesome. he actually, re- he actually reads that out to all one of the o- options is you can hear the, the comic that he's making. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's very cool. I probably gamified it a little bit and I didn't, I kind of felt that at times when I was playing it, the multi-narrative time thing kind of worked against it because I, I was like, oh, where do I go? What do I do? Um, and I didn't really know what was happening kind of when I know that there's a button you can sort of ping where people are in the ship and stuff like that. Um, but that was kind of one thing where I kind of felt like I was, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but I didn't really know what, like what to do. Like I didn't feel like there was no objective telling me, Hey, go find out about Tommy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I kind of, which I think is, is really good. But then parts of the time where, um, I was trying to fill out the day. Um, I was like, oh, well, what do I do? What what do I go and do next? And I'd go into someone's room and, you know, nothing sort of changed. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing to, to kind of converse with them about. Um, the one thing that I did not like, and James, we've spoken about this, uh, is the mm-hmm. save mechanic. Uh, yeah. Oh, was, yes. That was quite, um, that was, I forgot I don't about say bad, that. but yeah. So you can only, so there's, the game is three days, uh, which we've spoken about before. 
So chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, uh, day one, day one, uh, day one, day two, day three. You can only save, well, sorry, the game only saves at the end of each day. So, and I think... Um, so like an hour, 40 minutes? They're approximately an hour and a half. Yes, I, I, did, so, I did some rough yeah. maths on it to try to figure it out. Yeah, because oh. when... Yeah, so when Chantel goes, she finished it in two hours, I was like, fucking hell, all right. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know why? It's because I made that mistake, got halfway through the first day, closed the game down, realized it Mm, didn't save, and then after that I left it open for like a week. (laughs) I was scared. So now I have like time is just warped in my mind now because I was too scared to close it. She's currently um, got the most hours fair. on Steam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Australia's number one player. Yeah, I, I made that same mistake, except I wasn't bothered by restarting because I was just kind of getting a feel for, for what, what was going on. I probably only lost like 20 minutes. But, um, yeah, there was some nights when I would play it quite late um, and it would be mm-hmm. like 2 o'clock game time and I'd, be, I was, and I'd just be like, mate, I am absolutely cooked. I'm fried. I'm not taking in anything. I just want to go home. I just want the day to end. Um, so, yeah, not being able to save, come back a bit fresher was a bit annoying because I feel like, Definitely. Um, again, I have no idea about game design, so what would I know? But just a simple save mechanic probably wouldn't have been that I mean, from a, uh, from a narrative and thematic point of view, I understand wanting to not give players that option because once you do that, you could effectively make mm. a save point, go and explore a path. And if you're like, well, this isn't the one I actually wanted, go back to your save point and then explore a different uh, path, yeah. which again, you start really bumping up against what to me was the, the point of Wayward okay. Strand, which is to teach you lessons about time um, and the, the valuableness of it, the way you can waste it, whatever it is you take away from it. Um, and so a save mechanic does run counterintuitive to that, but just as a purely like approachability, even even as an accessibility issue, I think not having the ability to just stop your playthrough, um, except for an hour and a half chunks, it's um it's it's not great. I think we're no, also I mean, yeah. really used to autosave functions now. I remember mm-hmm. back in the day, um, playing a lot of older games and not being able to save, and you just have to get to the checkpoint. Um, now I I'm just used to used to such. Um, shorter game sessions that it's almost harder to i guess keep your attention for that long for an hour and a half and know that it's not going to save until you get through that (laughs) Mm. but yeah overall art style was fantastic voice acting was fantastic um the emotion is there and kind of like what chantel said this game did make me think of my grandmother who you know it made me realize i'm a bit of a shit grandson like i kind of take them not don't say take take them for granted but like i don't i never really go out of my way to engage right now i'm always too busy i'm whatever but it definitely made me think uh you know more about making it more of an effort um with them for this but uh you gave it 9.5 james you gave it uh 8.5 8.5 um, so it's it's good i'll meet yeah. you both middle and, and i'll go a nine um, <laughs> cool anyone else keen to check this out yeah, it launches. Um, if it's less than, if I can get a playthrough out in less than three hours, <laughs> I mean, come on, let's. Oh. Wh- why not? That's on Chantel's time. I don't know yeah, that, uh, I, it's warped. <laughs> I don't know now. <laughs> that, Anything that under. Th- if I can, if someone can recommend, multiple people can recommend a game to me that's under four hours. I'm hard pressed to deny that experience. 
It's good, yeah. Mm. And it's coming to all all platforms. Uh, it'll be out by the time this podcast is out, and uh, um, we'll talk a little bit about more in the news. This would be great on the Switch because then you can it just would. play it, it, it in bed. Thank you. Yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I got my eye. And you can put the Switch to sleep. So hey! yeah, everybody wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking. Um, I was actually chatting with KV, and he was like, you know, that's where things like quick resume are mm. like just godsend. godsend. Oh, mate. Mwah. Speaking of godsends, I, I want to just quickly pause Thank the you, actual mate. podcast for a second. But Nathan oh. was introduced yeah, yeah. to my magpie friend the other day. He ventured uh, over to my neck of the woods and picked up a couple of treats and met the met the Maggie. Yeah, I, I do need to say it was um, it was gorgeous uh, meeting uh, Zach's residential magpie family. <laughs> I only met one member of. But no joke, yeah, he comes right straight down, perched on the table, wants to even pop on into like the um, the the door seal thing. of the sliding door and mm-hmm. and you know keep an eye and see what's happening. Or about as close to domestic as I've seen a magpie, and just a beautiful little magpies too. Yeah, um, really. Well, I've got a story for you that you'll um, might, you might find funny. I can tell you that I did not find funny. So today I was. Uh. Looking at the, with the binoculars that I've got, looking at the, the babies in the tree, I've closed the door a little bit. Also, there's a house directly across. Who knows if they think I'm looking into them. Um, that just birding, bro. Um, <laughs> I'm bird watching. Um, anyway, I shut the door a little bit because this little fucker keeps going inside, even though when I'm outside, he'll, he'll, like, he'll come inside. Anyway, so I've closed the door like... It's a jar, but I've closed it thinking he won't go in. I think he's fucked off, actually. So the the female's bird's there. I've come inside, not looking, closed the door, turned around. This magpie's looked at me, started flying in the thing. I've quickly mm-hmm. gone back to the door, opened it, and it's taken a massive shit. Yeah, I was waiting our, for it. On, our <laughs> on the couch? couch? On the couch, mate. And you can imagine. I can remember the previous episode of this uh, last year. You came to Adam, surely. And his yep. pink oh, blanket. Yeah. It's on the couch, and I was just like, you little... This couch is sacred. <laughs> you could literally shit it's the risky run, anywhere. mate. You could shit anywhere. Shit on, shit, shit on me. Shit in my mouth if you want. But, like, just don't shit on the couch. Like, <laughs> And it, the only place it shat was on the fucking couch. So you can imagine that uh, th- th- this afternoon was a bit tense. Jordan, if you can, I'd like the Zach saying shit in my mouth as a... Thanks. Opener. Yeah. Anyway, um, also I got robbed. Uh, if you're, oh if, if you're wondering, I like you that. that's just an addendum. You're like a bird fucking shit on my. Ca- oh yeah, and I got robbed. <laughs> um, which again, Nathan was privy to my uh, my little storage cage, and they've been breaking into the apartment building through the car park roller door by busting in and reaching in and grabbing the manual chain to lift up the thing. So that, like, yeah, four a.m. in the morning. Uh, busted open the lock that was on my storage cage and stole my studio monitor speakers. It sounds like you're accusing Nathan. It's it like did that, sound that, very that, much that, like that. Well, that Nathan was privy to. <laughs> he does own an Audi. So I do not own a Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway, so fuck them. Um, they're not big fans of the podcast. So, Nathan, you've got <laughs> one more preview to talk about. It's Wallander. Give it to me short because... I think short's the only way I can give it because there's not a whole heap to say about this game. 
So Warlander, Warlander's popped out out of nowhere. It's from a de- Japanese developer called Toy Logic. It's a free-to-play game, spanning. Oh, I, I pretty, I said like is, this is every free-to-play genre, slammed in a blender, set to high. So you will be partaking in one of two modes: a forty-player mode and a hundred-player mode. In two teams, red versus blue. On a map of three lanes, a la any MOBA, you know, Dota, League of Legends. In fact, it's pulled directly from that inspiration. These two teams will have opposing strongholds on either end of the map. And in a fantasy medieval setting, you will take the role of a character class. Either, well, you'll be starting as a warrior. And as the match rolls on and your team earns more points, it's going to unlock... Uh, additional classes, and these will be the Cleric, offering a kind of ranged role with some support utility, a Mage, which again, range with support utility, and a, a souped-up Warrior whose class name I forget. They might have even just called it Warrior Part 2. I, I don't even think they gave it a special name. Uh, so it, it all plays out in a fairly standard fashion that you would expect uh, with a bit of... Battlefield flavor thrown in, you'll join a squad just to keep things manageable. Your squad, one of the players will allocate themselves as a commander just to keep the squad in line, will allocate commands. Those commands are pretty much just, here's a dot on the map, congregate here or head to this location. Not much more advanced than that. As the match goes on, uh, apparently, I say apparently, uh, my squads are always relegated to defense. I was mostly left back in the stronghold where, and you got to hate this in a game of this scale, there wasn't a whole lot of happening on the defense side. Maybe it's because our team was kicking ass and pushing lanes, but I'm kind of twiddling my thumbs. So apparently there's these kind of magic events that can break out on the battlefield and, you know, this uh, siege craft can wheel its way on and even robots apparently. I didn't see any of the fun stuff. The other players did. So I'm in the back. I'm uh, building ballista sitting on them, so if anyone's wily enough to try and skirt around the battle in either of the three lanes, I can pick them off from afar, and that was satisfying. I got to take down some of my, uh, you know, more mouthy games press peers, and, you know, that that's a lot of fun, all in good fun, of course. And there's just some odd things that you do as, as a defender, and again, I only played as a defender team. I didn't really get a choice. I was allocated this. Uh, we're building ladders to scale our siege walls, which kind of seemed a little bit redundant because if the walls there was, they're not already a ladder there. Why are we building said ladder? So it kind of felt like defense was a little bit of busy work. So, you know, I got a bit bored and thought, fuck you to the commander and walked into battle a few times, you know, wandered up the lane as a... I stuck with the support utility roles because they every class will have a ranged weapon, a crossbow of some description, Warriors will have a more of an automatic, like, machine gun type crossbow that they can walk in with. Uh, speaking of warrior, I didn't really enjoy that much either. Uh, they're very hacky and slashy, so there didn't feel to be a whole lot of skill involved in those encounters. You'll just have a whole bunch of meatheads run up to one another, just spamming their left mouse click and swinging their sword, uh, occasionally pulling up a shield. That was as much to it. It didn't feel very kinetic or visceral as per other medieval games like Chivalry or Mordhau. Very, very arcadey, and you're just hoping and praying that the ping gods favor you and you'll, you know, trump that outcome, or that you've got enough clerics on your side because they're able to heal from afar. And that's something I quite enjoyed. I was able to sit in the back and 
heal from afar. And if you're a mage, uh, you could also, I think it's the mage, maybe the cleric, you can also resurrect from afar. So that just keeps the pace moving when you actually are pushing those lanes. The easiest way I'd describe this game is, again, if you've played MOBAs like League of Legends and Dota, just imagine it's one of those games in a third-person viewpoint where you and your allies and the enemies are taking the place of the minions and there's no heroes pushing things. You are the driver of the action. There's not a whole lot more I can say to it than that. There is only going to be the one map. They haven't mentioned anything about a future map. They're just going to iterate on this one map. Not that much of a surprise with free-to-play games, so you've got to give it that. It's going to have a battle pass. It's going to have cosmetic microtransactions. It's currently in beta that you can request through Steam. I believe it's set for a launch. I don't know if it's going to be an open... I assume it's going to be a full launch launch in uh, December... Uh, with cross-platform and consoles planned at a later date. There's not a whole lot in the way of customability, although the game is very generous. At the end of each map, you will be unlocking these new weapons and gear. But I, as I said, I didn't find that there was much visual distinction amongst these. Like, for example, if you're unlocking um, special, like, rare and epic hammers for the warrior, they look the fucking same. It's just got a different color skin. Like, an epic hammer is gold. So I was a bit bummed out about that, like it's going to have some different stats. So the game's very generous in throwing all this gear at you to make you feel like there's progression. Is there, though? Yet to be seen. You'll create these, what they're called, decks. So they they quite, they claim that there's this tactical element where you'll build these decks. So you'll pick weapons and armor of specific stat tendencies, depending on how the game is playing out. Again, I don't know how much this is going to factor in, because I'll be honest with you, in our second game... Our team claimed victory in less than three minutes. Not very tactical when you can just run up the lane that's not currently being pushed. Just force half your team up there and boom, you've taken the enemy stronghold. So, you know, it was a fun enough time, but it was curated. So I was there with Games Press. We're all sort of the, you know, kind of similar skill level. We're not, none of us seem to be particularly ace at it. So we're just kind of bumbling around and having a bit of fun. But would I play it again? Nah, no way. There is so much more polished and dynamic experiences on the free-to-play market at the moment. So I'm not sure what they're going to do to edge the competition out. There's nothing wrong with it. It's perfectly fine. But is it going to compete for your time in a crowded market was my overall issue. So, you know, it's all right. Wait, and this is Warlander. You can jump into the open beta now through Steam maybe take some friends so you can at least squad up. Because games like this, if you play Battlefield, you know, squads of strangers, mixed experience. A game like this where the squads that are together and know each other and can talk don't even stick together and go chaotic. Yeah, I don't know. She'll be an odd one. I don't know if this one has the staying power for a long time. So, yeah, that's my quick wrap. Nice. Very cool. Um, all right, let's quickly go through the headlines because... We have, we're going to push two hours, I reckon. So let's, um, right. So, uh, Gungrave, yeah, what? Yeah, Gungrave Gore is coming to Game Pass Day 1. It's launching November 2022, November 22 this year. Uh, Atomic Heart has been delayed to 2023. It's now being published by Focus Entertainment, uh, coming in early 2023. Um, very interesting there's a very interesting interesting twitter thread no one responded to, to me in our slack so um fuck <laughs> you. but um 
which just sort of talks about all the Russian investment. I mean, it's a Mud, Mudfish, I think it's called, is a Russian developer. Um, it's just it's an interesting read looking at the investment, all the investors in that studio, and it's kind of intriguing seeing a company like Focus sort of t- touch it, uh, so to speak. Um, but yeah, go go read that thread i'm sure you'll find it if you look hard enough uh marvel's midnight suns is getting released on december 2 oh yes uh, um but no mention of uh old gen release date i don't think is that correct correct yep. yeah yep. yeah fuck em. uh cyberpunk 27 2077 is getting a new dlc called phantom liberty did we get a date on this at all that's an excellent question zach let me find out <laughs> <from you. laughs> While he's looking for this, uh, Gray, no, he's already he's already found that. Sweet, um, a Gray camo variant uh, of the PS5 plates has come out. Um, we'll get yeah. to the other PlayStation Five peripheral in a in a sec, but fuck, Sony just doesn't know how to do nice looking controllers, do they? For the most part, Gray camo can get in the fucking bin. Yeah. Right, right. What a very odd. Who asked? That's shit house. That is <laughs> shit house. Do you know what though? Speaking no, from experience, the camo sells insanely well. Does it? Yeah. It's so is that because no one? Is that because no one's going to steal it? Because you can't bloody find it. I see what you've done there, mate. But uh, cod fanboys rise back I was up. Just gonna... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Finalists for the Australian Game Developer Awards uh, fucking been announced. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Uh, I couldn't open the link. Um, but the nominations <laughs> for Game of the Year, uh, Heavenly Bodies, Wildflowers, and Cult of the Lamb. I always find it bizarre that a game that hasn't come out yet has been nominated for Game of the Year, much like with Unpacking last year. But, hey, you know, that end up getting on, you know, blowing the world apart with all its awesomeness. So... What do I know? Uh, and other nominations for Excellent in Art, uh, Age of Darkness, Final Stand, Cult of the Lamb and Heavenly Bodies, Excellent in Gameplay, Cult of the Lamb, Heavenly Bodies, Justice Sucks, Excellent in Narrative, You Will Not Remain, uh, Wildflowers, Wayward Strand, shout-outs to our good mates at Ghost Pattern there, Excellent in Music, I think that that's where I'm up to, Cult of the Lamb, Heavenly Bodies, Age of Darkness, Final Stand, Excellence in Sound Design, Justice Sucks, Cult of the Lamb, Heavenly Bodies. Pretty much it's just... Cold lamb and heavily bodies <laughs> yeah. for everything. Um, there's a lot there, but you, you can read the nominations. I'm sorry for the rest of the games that are on there, but there's too much news to talk about. And yeah, um, we love talking about game prices on this podcast. It's probably uh. our biggest thing. And <laughs> I mean, I I heard Nathan make reference to Made in Abyss eighty five dollars. How could you know, not? What the fuck's going on there? And you know, whatever, but, you know, PlayStation can't, but we, we, we won't go back under there. But uh, Ubisoft has announced that they are releasing, <laughs> sorry, they're raising the prices of their big AAA games to 70 US dollars. Um, so up up from 60. We haven't got a, it doesn't look like we have an increase yet. Uh, I've not seen a big increase. I know that EB Games has got, one one game, uh, Skull and Bone. So that's the game that they're going to be testing or starting this new 
pricing structure with, which is fucking strange. <laughs> what a... Well, they why? figure it's sinking already, so may as well just add another weight to it. <laughs> like, if you're going to make any game $70, this is not the one to start it with. This game has... This game should looks like it should be free to play, almost. <laughs> I ain't going to argue with you, like, but it's funny. Like, surely I'm not the only one. And it's releasing the day before Ragnarok. Got a ball Ragnarok. That they're they're, they're shuffling really it out the door, it out today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're getting it out as an obligation, I would, I would wager. Yeah, but, like, surely you want more people than less people to play your game. Like, you know, you just... I'm hoping there's an expose come out on this game in a few years' time discussing, mm. like, the Singaporean tax breaks and shit that's gone on with this game because there's definitely some shady shit that's happened with the financing of this title. Well, there's already sort of been one, kind of. Did you... I think it might have been Kotaku. They did a pretty big one. Scratched the surface, I thought, but... Yeah. Mm. Um, but Something anyway. about this game seems like they have had to, like you say, shuffle it out the door. So... Yes, this, uh, so this bit of news came from like an interview with old mate Eves um, where he pretty much said that they're going to be raising prices because it's the same price as the competition. So um, we, can, we can thank Sony for that, I guess. Um, <laughs> What's he, like Ubisoft is like arguably one of the companies behind the bloat that we're seeing in AAA game design at the moment, right? Like, oh, yeah. They are, they, they sort of like... Headmastered is the word I keep coming back to in my head, but that's definitely not correct. The, the point is, I feel like they led to the charge on these games getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then so for them to turn around and be like, well, you made us make them bigger, so we need more money <laughs> from you. Um, it's starkly anti-consumer. And it's like, bro, just reduce the size of your games, which they've already done with one of these Assassin's Creed's, right? They've said, we're making it smaller and we're going to be charging less for it. And everyone reacted really well to that because it's exactly what everyone's been asking them to do. So to run in the opposite direction with their other ones is... Shocking. Then they promptly announced two bloated big RPG Assassin's Creed yeah. directly after it. So they're like, <laughs> and you know what? Give it to me. No. Have <laughs> no, some self respect. <laughs> yeah. Stop part that. Of the problem. <laughs> Don't so let Eve's get away with this again. The <laughs> interesting thing about that is that we. Uh, as in Australia, we don't see any difference in price. So I think Mirage is still eighty nine bucks at like JB and stuff, and which is oh. the same price as Skull and Bones. No, no? I think it is. It it has got a, sure? a lesser price point. Hang on. I thought I, look, I thought I looked at it the other day when I looked at it. Probably out of sheer look. Curious. Seventy nine ninety five. You were looking at oh, the deluxe edition. Oh. Which I was so actually expensive. about to comment on, like with the price increases for Skull and Bones, that's not even taken into account, like the various editions that we'll launch with. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. So the US get a $20 price difference. We get $10. That's 20 because general is retail it? is ninety nine ninety five for a mate, AAA game. Come on. <laughs> Go and buy RRP, mate. Don't, fuck, don't fuck shit RRP. on my, my former employer. I will. I'll shit all over them like like a magpie on on a couch, mate. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of Assassin's Creed and shitting on couches, um, they did announce a five new Assassin's Creed games. We've got Mirage, which is the one in <clears throat> Baghdad, in Baghdad, in very early years of the world. I can't remember the exact year. It's got eighth century. 
Where's the news piece of this? Fuck. Um, oh, Basil. Nah, it's surely the same 8th century Baghdad. Assassin's Creed, Mirage. Um, that's coming next year. Uh, and then you've got uh, Assassin's Creed codename Red, which is yes. the, Jap- the feudal Japanese one. About time. Just for a change of pace, an open world game set in feudal Japan. Yeah, I've already uh-huh. had Ghost of Tsushima, thanks. <laughs> and then people have been asking for this for years. So I wonder if they've gone, hmm, nah, no one, no one wants that anymore. But then you've got all these games that have done it well, and they're like, no, 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 people want that. And now everyone's like, eh. They've missed the, the boat. Sh- <laughs> the ship has fucking sailed. The Skull and Bones ship has sailed, mate. I reckon, yeah, um, anyway. The other one, though, that I'm sure you'll mention. That's Which is the witchcrafty one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure that has to be up your alley, old boy. Yeah, well, I mean, it showed pretty much what? It showed nothing but like a little thing in the forest, which looks kind of cool. Then you got Jade, which is the Chinese one. Yep. The mobile? Jade. Is it mobile? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, boring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a real game. <laughs> and then they, talk, they spoke about Infinity. We've got way too much other shit to talk about, but we've talked about it before with the leaks and stuff, but it's going to be a hub. I don't really understand how it's going to work right now. I, don't I care. genuinely still do not get this at all. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't want to actually. Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? <laughs> all right. Very um, good. So <laughs> Assassin's Creed thing was part of the Ubisoft Ford. We'll power through the announcements very, very quickly. But this is thanks to uh, Prestar, big fans of the podcast. Um, so Mario Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. Getting Rayman, um, cool. Uh, can, sure. can we just can we pause super quick? It makes me oh. feel ill that Rayman is now being the guest character in a fucking Rabbids game. When it I should feel like that's been the trend for was a the while. Other way around. Get in the fucking bin, Rayman. He deserves <laughs> put some respect on his name. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it does feel Dance, a bit dirty. Just Dance twenty twenty three is changing things up. Apparently, um, <laughs> very cool. Uh, we got uh, we got we got a first look at the division heartland. Is this I can't fuck. Is this the the, the mobile one or is this the, the free, free to play, play it's one? Free to play one. Free to play mobile. No, no, that was resurgence. Resurgence. Now you're right. Yep. Yeah, good one. Then we got we got the skull and bone stuff, which showed off ship customization and um, some other stuff. Is anybody actually in, interested in skull and bones? I would no. consider maybe activating a Ubisoft Plus trial for it. Would I spend money on it? Fuck no. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Trackmania is coming to consoles. Rainbow Ooh. Six, something rather mobile. Um, R- Rainbow Six mobile gameplay. Uh, Riders of Republic is getting a new. Oh, I actually think. Wait, no, I can't say that. I'll, I'll be breaking by. Whoops. Um, <laughs> Riders of Republic. Shh. Yeah. Uh, I need crew, to reinstall that. The Crew 2. No, no. Um, yeah, do. Drive it off the. Uh, the Crew 2 is getting. I see something right. I don't know, man. What, what is this news? What, what, what am I doing? New season. Is the crew, t- New season. Is the crew 2 still getting content? It is. It, it like has a pretty good player base, apparently. Um, just play Forza Horizon. It's called Guys Dominion Come Frozen, and we'll bring ice tracks to the game. Uh, it's out on September 14, so that's out as we speak. Uh, Brawlhalla is coming. Netflix is getting three mobile Ubisoft games. Um, what? 
uh, an <laughs> Assassin's Creed game, Valiant Hearts, and also Mighty Quest. And then we got The Division Resurgence. Very cool. Moving on. Um, anything else quick we can talk about? Okay, so the news that just dropped, Like a Dragon 8. Yakuza. Uh, yeah. Yakuza. Um, don't bury the lead here. Kiryu. Someone talk about it because I don't know. I just read the headline. <laughs> So I saw this while the potty was going. Obviously, Adam has popped up an article while we were recording. You good lads. So this sees the return of Kiryu Kazuma, who we last saw was meant to be the end of his legacy and journey with Yakuza 6. And 7, Like a Dragon, was the start Spoilers. of Ichiban's. No, this was pretty heavily marketed. But he's back. He's back yeah, in the marketing. We're going to have two protagonists, and they're the best protagonists. I'm but he so got a haircut, Nathan. This. The slate is yeah, clean. He got look, a haircut. For, for a dude who's now like in his 60s, like late 60s or something like that, he's looking like a fucking head of a boy band or something, isn't he? Looking sexy. That man, that man in that trailer is a fucking snack. Mm. He's looking good. <laughs> he's looking delicious. Uh, I've also just spotted on Lovely Press Start's website that Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name is another Yakuza game coming out next no. year. No! What an incredible ah! time. That bridges Holy the gap between, like a, uh, between Yakuza 6 and Like a Dragon 8. Oh, my God. Uh, so lots to look forward to in that series. Next year we get two new games and then this in... Oh, my goodness. Keep going. Keep, keep talking. I'm getting excited. <laughs> um, right. Well... Uh, there were two showcases. Uh, one was a Nintendo Direct. How cool. are we only just getting to this now? Fuck I know, me. man. Let's just. Well, you know, there's not much, there's not much to talk about. And then the PlayStation Say Play. My heart's let's, only bubbling. Let's um let's go through these quickly. We'll maybe try and we'll spend five or so minutes on each, and then we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up a little bit of off topics and be a good time. Um, what? Someone's shaking their head. Okay, so... Five minutes, new- mate. i got thoughts, but let's start. <laughs> oh, my God. This thing is fucking huge. So, <laughs> yeah, it is. I'll, I'll be the, the anti-Nathan straight out of the gate. They are taking the fucking piss with this direct. 95% of this is either a JRPG or a farming sim. I understand that Love it's, that. like you know, Tokyo Game Show and whatnot around the corner. Nathan, you bastard. But, like, oh, my Lord. All the games looked the fucking same. All it needs is a visual novel and Nathan's in <laughs> I mean, we oh, got one. Holy Trinity. We? Oh. we fucking got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you is call it, you would probably wouldn't call it a visual novel, but it effectively is. And that was the uh, fucking name that I've lost now. There was so is much now. Let's life? start. No, 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 no. The one from no. the Danganronpa dudes, because they are effectively JRPG, uh, uh, not visual yeah. novels anyway. There is... I love Danganronpa. Wow. Come on, girl. Way. <laughs> Way too much to talk about. So let's yes. go with the the big hitters. So someone kick me off because I don't know what's a big hitter here. Is Fire Emblem Engage? They're all big hitters. Yeah. Fire Emblem Engage. Yeah, Come on. It. it takes Fire two Emblem Engage switch, is a big mate. hitter. Just buy a PlayStation and play it two years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so Fire Emblem Engage is a new Fire Emblem game with many returning characters for the series fans. Yep. Yeah, man, Marth is coming Why does back. the name sound like a MOBA? Yeah, the name's not doing it any fucking favours. Three Houses was way more interesting, but yeah, Engage, but I'll buy it. Day one, we're there. 
It Takes Two is coming to Switch, coming on November 4. Fatal Frame, Mask of Lunar Eclipse, coming in early 2023. So this is a re-release mm. of the Wii game that first came out in like 2008. I think this is the first time it's been localised, so I'm yes. sick for the that. fifth game in the series, I think. Is um, it? I thought it was much earlier. I thought it was like the sec- first or second game in the series. Oh, no. I This hmm, 2008. I we're, was... we're going way back. Third game in the series, maybe. Third, Okay. Is it getting a um, remaster or a remake, or are they just full slapping it on? I mean, Switch. it looked a little bit shit, but, you know, <laughs> oh, I'll eat it up. I'll still <laughs> play it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what's up. Uh, it's the fourth game. Okay. okay. There's a few of we them. We were there. all wrong. <laughs> uh, sounds like Chronicles 3 is getting an expansion pa- and more stuff on the expansion pass. Uh, a new character, new challenge mode, and it's coming October 13. SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake. Yeah. Yep. A couple of things in here I'm not going to talk about. We'll skip through those. Tunic, <laughs> September 27. How did you skip Fitness Boxing Fist of the North Star? That was easily the worst game in the showcase. <laughs> Horrid. Fucking dreadful. So Fist of the North Star is a big fucking deal as an anime, and then they're like hyping it up, and then all of a sudden it's like a rhythm game where you go left, right, left, left, right. It's a boxing game. That's all you needed to know. It looked Dreadful. fucking terrible. Keep going. Sweet. Um, front Mission <laughs> remakes. Uh, anyone excited about that? Okay, oh, so cool. fucking hot for that. Yes. Mate, you're hot for everything. <laughs> this is a good direct. Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life. I know that yes! Eleanor would be, be fanging over this one. I am also excited for this. Uh, something that just popped up on Twitter actually is that in this remake, because it's from like a this is a GameCube game basically, but yeah, generally like considered to be one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in this one though, uh, male, female, non-binary, everyone's romanceable. You can have kids with anyone you want. Like they are very much front fronting this as a this is your like farming sim dream. Um, and it was definitely something I was curious about this morning, uh, watching that trailer and being like, yeah. I wonder if I can have kids with anyone in this game. Um, so I just thought that was cool. Yeah. I mean, they could have gone real low bar for this re-release. Mm-hmm. Clearly they're yeah. not. That's exciting. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Splatoon 3. So we've got more info on that. We know that that's just come out. You can read the review on the website. Octopath Traveler 2. Oh, so... I hated the first one. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Fucking shit. But this was exciting because they're actually allowing <laughs> the protagonists to actually have interrelated storylines this time. Your, your other characters so like aren't just tag-alongs. Maybe I haven't played it. <laughs> Can I get a just a super quick poll for the podcast? This 2D HD art direction, do we oh, like yeah. it or do we not? Oh, yeah. Oof. So much. Come I on. I also don't like it. Oh, fuck right off. This is beautiful. Live Alive was wonderful. I can't wait for the Dragon... What is it? Dragon Quest 3. Anything else that you can give that remaster to? I'll take it. All right, let's... Interesting. Uh, let's... Let's go back on track. I, got, I just got outpolled, so I'm a bit shitty. But let's keep going. Fay <laughs> Farm, another farming sim developed by Phoenix Labs, the developer of Dauntless. No, nah, uh, <laughs> a game I can't pronounce, <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about that one. Um, Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is coming October 20. Um, if you stick around, um, if you come back next week, <clears throat> maybe. Uh, Rune Factory 3 Special. Uh, is coming early 2023. Thank you. A bunch of the Nintendo 64 games are coming to the Nintendo Switch Online. Piloting 64, Mario Party, Party 2, Party 3, Pokemon Stadium, Stadium 2, 1080 Snowboarding, Excite Bike 64, and I think that's pretty much it. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Goldeneye is also coming. Um, in it's a weird little situation That's with Goldeneye. In 2023. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can Adam quickly touch on Goldeneye? It's, it's a bit of an odd one. So it's coming to both Switch and Xbox via Game Pass, but on Game Pass there's no online multiplayer, but there is online multiplayer on Switch where the online aspect is fucking Dog trash. shit. <laughs> so whether they've signed some exclusivity bullshit, I don't know, but it's, yeah, very, very weird. I don't give a fuck anyway. I don't care about Goldeneye, but... Still very odd. Switch Sports, um, cool. Super Mario Bros. animated films coming next year. Pikmin Bloom. So Wait, you just Wait, skipped oh, in. Yeah, no, I did too. You did too. Sorry, 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 sorry. sorry. That Various was Day Life, that was a game that surely no one here would be interested in but me, looked kind of interesting, like a 2D. The, the way they sold it was basically like that episode of Seinfeld where they try and pitch a series on Seinfeld, a game about nothing. You just do daily life shit. Factor, Factorio is coming on October 28th. That's going to be Switch. That was the next I game. IB. Uh, IB. Sure. Um, coming autumn 2023 on Switch. A 2D exploration game. It, do, no it, one, it, look, it looks okay, kind of yeah. cool. It does right, look kind of cool. cool. Uh, which game are we talking about? Ib. 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 See, that has such a like soft place in my heart because I played all those horror RPG maker games when they yes. first came out. Yes, it looks so super like, interesting. I fucking that. Well, that one's one of the original ones, and it's like this madhouse, and there's a bunch of other ones that I'm just like. I, I like hope they bring it back. Corpse party vibes ish. Yes, it does. Yeah. Way smaller than Corpse Party. Oh yeah, 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 and a little bit right, more interactive. <laughs> Cool, thing, sign me up. How long did this thing go for? Kids should not be up this late on a school night. So then we got um, <laughs> Mario Battle <laughs> Strikers is getting a free update that adds characters and stadiums. Attila Riser 3, Alchemist, End of the Secret Key. Looks sexy. Yep. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster, Course Pass Wave 3, Merry Mountain from Mario Kart Tour, Peach Gardens from Mario Kart DS, Switch Sports, Super Mario Bros. films coming out, Pikmin Bloom. It's Not the mobile game. The mobile mobile game. game. No, okay, I thought. Like I thought, Pokemon Go. I thought that's an name <coughs> people might get around. Pikmin it's been Four. Around. It's been out for years. Just Dance. We spoke about how good that is. Harvestella. 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 Uh, November Four de- demos out right now. Bayonetta Three coming oh, October twenty three. We got a new. What did that. we see here? It looks so good. It looks so good. Uh, Master Detective Archives, Rain Code, Resident Evil Village is coming to the Switch on October 28th, Resident Evil Biohazard, uh, Switch, Resident, what? Resident Evil cool. Biohazard, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 coming Loud. on the cloud later Loud. this year. So not Australia. Seafood is coming. Oh, is it? Fuck you. Um, <laughs> Seafood is coming. Do we not have the cloud for Nintendo? No. We do Man, not we have suck. Nintendo cloud capacity. So Seafood. those Resident Evil titles are skipping us. Bummer. Uh, PlayStation. Sifu is coming on the, on the Switch November 8. <laughs> Crisis Core Final Fantasy. I'm just burning through this. I don't know what I'm reading. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 Reunion releasing uh, December 13. This is a... Everything is probably... It's a remake of the PSP Crisis Core game, but I think this was actually right the first time they announced the release date. All right. Correct. Radiant cool. Silver Gun. Uh, this releasing... What? Just says releasing on the Switch. Cool. Uh, Endless guess. Dungeon releasing on the Switch next year. Tales of Symphonia. Symphonia. Oh, yeah. Remastered. Um, shout out to Remasters. I we're a big, so we're big, 
big fans here when they're overpriced. Life is Strange, Arcadia <laughs> Bay Collection coming on September 27. Romancing Saga? S- yes, Saga. Sorry, yeah. the capital G kind of threw me. Uh, Minstrel Song Remastered. Oh, well, no, another remaster. That's a GRPG uh, Lego Brick Tales, me. Spring 2022. Disney Speedstorm is coming this, this year sometime. Fall Guys Season 2. Kirby's Return to the Dreamland Deluxe coming 24th of February 2023. Uh, that's it. Nice. <laughs> 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 Got her. Out, out of respect for the Queen, we can't discuss the next one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a joke, guys. Um, I should f- forgot she died. Um, <laughs> relatable. Uh, yes. Okay. So the last, the closer, um, the big ticket item was the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, which you is sure it's the not Tears s- of the Kingdom. <laughs> Might be. Whoa. Um, <laughs> just a sequel to Breath of the Wild. Uh, you may have heard of that game. Uh, it is coming on May 12, 2023. Chantelle, you sounded very excited. Yeah, I mean, I just loved Breath of the Wild. So anything that's a sequel to it, I'm probably going to love it. Not that I they've released made... that much about it. Okay, so what, so what did they show here? Did they show any gameplay or something? Or just... uh, like a tiny bit. Barely. What Was it even 20 seconds? Yeah, Surely like not. 15 okay. seconds tops probably, yeah. Little snippet. And okay, he's with... just like flying up a block, really. <laughs> yeah, that, it looked a bit odd, didn't it? It's it. <laughs> Can so see the, more. The thing that just confuses me is that so the original came out what five years ago, right? Uh, Surely, well, like thirty years ago. But yeah, go off. Sorry, not the original. Sorry, the previous game. That that's right. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> fucking hell, mate! Don't kick a bloke while he's down. Um, <laughs> yes. I can't wait. Yes. I can't wait for games. Your point, Zach. <laughs> no, so just the hardware. Like we've had, you know, I just feel like, is this game going to look butt or is this game going to look good? Yeah, I saw I, some discourse of people being like, oh, this looks too good to be running on a Switch. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, let's, let's calm yeah, down a little bit. Look, is um, it unfeasible to suggest that there could be a successor announced before May 12? Yes. It seems more and more likely. It's at the end of its lifespan if we look at the... You know the, the the length of these hardware generations. Well, mate, if the you Switch know, came out in 2017. Yeah, but that also doesn't account for COVID. Um, also, Good the, point. the wild numbers this thing is still doing just as a unit. Um, there's no reason for them to Component push out another one just yet. Well, um, Nintendo every gen. Uh, the nah, Switch plays you know. terribly though. The first one. Oh my god. But I mean, yeah. isn't again like I don't know I don't know enough, but isn't like some games like 720p or isn't 720p when you're holding it in your hand mate mm-hmm. 720p if you're lucky yeah if you're lucky so <laughs> i'm playing xenoblade yeah. 3 that game constantly goes sub 480 in handheld <laughs> sub but 480 how, little potato. how can that yeah. be a good time the imagination um, fills in the blanks this thing still works <laughs> I also think if you largely look at like the market for the Switch, they're not people who are super clued into like 60 frames a second, you know, 1080p, I guess. Like, I mean, like, yes, there's, there's people like us that obviously we like our Switches and we like talking about them. But um, for the most part, these are in kids' hands. They're in people who are just very casually playing video games. I can't imagine they just give much of a shit. That's you just true. described me very well. Yeah. <laughs> I made like... the mistake of getting the first Dark Souls on Switch. 
for some reason. I, I haven't, but I haven't played it yet. It's still sitting on my Switch <laughs> unplayed. It just... It's not a bad port. Yeah, right. I'm keen. <laughs> to it's, me... It's having, okay. <laughs> I have no interest, no vested interest in any of this stuff, right? But to me, it feels a little criminal that they're releasing... Probably That's the a big most word, an, mate. The most anticipated game of the year next year on mm-hmm. aging hardware. I don't know if the emphasis is on aging or criminal. Both. I think it's criminal. <laughs> Take, put him in jail, I say. Throw away the key. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's fuck what's time. We've yeah, almost hit two hours. Nathan's probably going to quit his job tomorrow because he, he'll sleep in. <laughs> uh, Fortunately, this was much shorter. So. Uh, I'm having a great so time. Let's get going. PlayStation's Day to Play was also this morning um, kicked off with... Okay, so very quickly, Nathan and Adam, actually, anyone can answer this. What were you expecting this morning? God of War, easy. Uh, yeah, a bit more God of War. That was my oh. only expectation. Final Fantasy uh, 16, because I'm still oh, an that's idiot. That's thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm an idiot. You know, what, what have I expected that two state of plays in a row and got nothing? So, yeah. That's me. That's all I wanted. Because mm, I was, but like, I was still is, pretty happy. I thought this was going to be just a bit, bit of a flop. Um, and I was speaking with someone on Twitter, and they were like, "Pretty it went much off. reckon we'll see Silent Hill." I was like, "I guess that makes sense, given how close it is oh. to TGS, right?" But I was like, "I would have expected that to be actually at TGS." Um, but yeah. Anyway, um, I was not expecting much, but. It sounds like we got a pretty good show. I have not actually had the chance to sit down and watch it yet. Um, but James is not convinced. Can oh, it's just because I don't like Star Wars anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck yourself, enough. Yep. <laughs> no. Uh, no. <laughs> he gets enough of that on Twitter. All right. Um, <laughs> he does. Uh, so kicking things off was Tekken 8, um, which is... Uh, sorry. Um let me start again. So the, the show kicked off with uh, with the reveal of Tekken 8. Uh, we got to see a bit of a bout between Jin and Kazuya. Kazuya. Uh, having a dig at one another. Uh, confirmed for PS5. Not sure if it's coming to other consoles, but looks pretty good if you're a Tekken fan. Yeah, let's fucking getting, go. PlayStation getting big on the fisticuffs with uh, this and Street Fighter 6. Next up is James's uh, highlight for the day, which is Star Wars Tale from the Gal- Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition, uh, a VR Star Wars experience based around Disney's Galaxy Edge theme park. Uh, it's coming to PSVR 2. Uh, didn't uh, didn't feel this, James? No, I, I, we, we don't have time. We <laughs> simply do not have time for my complicated feelings on Star Wars as a property right now. Right. Demio, now the next one looks pretty hot. Demio is another PSVR 2 title uh, that invokes the feeling of sitting around playing D&D with your mates. Uh, Adam. Yes. Thoughts? I think this looks cool as shit. I think as far as VR as... A concept goes we should be seeing more things like this of bringing something that is normal and general and making it larger than life so it's more or less like a, a tabletop rpg brought to life and i think that's 
really fucking cool. Nathan, you're bursting, mate. What do you got for me? But which is cheaper? Getting this in a PSVR 2 and a PS5 <laughs> or actually buying a fucking table and getting some friends? <laughs> buying all those minis? Mate, fucking PS5. <laughs> Just use your imagination. Come on. Uh, next up, we had Like a Dragon Ishin, Ishin uh, which is from the Yakuza Like a Dragon uh, yes. uh, devs. It's a historical action adventure set in the in 1860s Japan. Uh, this is a spin-off series of the, this is a spin-off of the Yakuza series. It's coming February 2023. This looked good. Fucking oath it did. I just yeah, love in the good. trailer that he just pulls out a gun and starts shooting everyone. That's just <laughs> hilarious to me. What a bad man. Uh, no, this looks seriously impressive. We then got a trailer for Hogwarts Legacy. We definitely did. It's a, it's a mission that is exclusive to PlayStation. Moving on. We will. And then we got... It was a bit like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Look, we I'm got... still hyped for it. I have too much love for the the stories from when I was younger. That's something I always wanted was an open world Hogwarts game. And I'm like, wow, I wish I got this like 15 years ago before everything was problematic. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope you're not disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm with you there, Chantel. Uh, next <laughs> one was Pacific Drive. This one looks pretty cool based on the little That's... tidbits that I've seen. Uh, it's a first-person driving survival game that sees players oh. attempting to survive the Olympic exclusion zone. Um, the trailer we see players bombing through a post-apocalyptic landscape with dangers with dangers looking to run them off the road in every direction. Coming in 2023 to PS5. See, this one, sorry, this one feels like it should be VR. 100%. I thought it was. I was waiting for the PSVR 2, and then they were like, PS5, and it confused me a great deal. I'd (laughs) imagine it might be something that might come to VR at a later date, maybe. Big missed opportunity here. Who wrote this article? It was Adam. Any business, mate? You, you didn't get to use uh, Zach's favourite verb for going fast. Use bombing instead of fanging. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a missed opportunity. I'll go back and fix that, mate. Please do. Uh, we otherwise, good. Our first look at PlayStation Stars, which is the digital collectibles stuff that you can be earned through the reward system for PlayStation. What? Yeah. What it's is this? <laughs> but what? they're not NFTs. They're fungible. They're not NFTs, but they totally, <laughs> totally are. You can re- use them to reward stuff and whatever. This is terrible. Uh, it's not on the blockchain, which I guess is redemptive. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's the, like the collectibles you get in Astro's Playroom, but far less cool mm. and less interactive. When she was like, and you can show them off to all your friends, it's like, what are you talking about? I won't have any friends by that point. <laughs> yeah, like, so. What a fucking quack would you be? Hey, do you want to see my ape escape ape? Like, no, go away. <laughs> my little 3D rendered model of a PS3. Hi. Like, Remember what, what these look like? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Maybe they're bringing uh, back PS Home or something. Oh, now oh, that's a different conversation. <laughs> VR2, yeah. maybe. Someone needs to tell old, uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg about that. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation Home to the metaverse. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that spank it? Uh, so the next one was Sensuality. Uh, if you like mechs, you'll get around this one. This, this looks a bit like a Nathan game. Yeah, you know what? I was I see I I don't think we've ever seen this before. I was kind of intrigued. Yeah, same. Game well, otherwise, I'm just cool. say first here for it. trailer, so that's um 
But all. you know what? I actually had KV more in mind for this because I got vibes of um, there was an Xbox One game that kind of flew under the radar. It was an exclusive, and now I can't think of the fucking name of it. Rise. No, <laughs> but it came out around the same time. Was it Quantum Break? Fuck no. I can't believe you love that game. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Recall. I got slight recall vibes from game. this, so I thought yeah, this could be straight up KV's alley, but I'll keep an eye on this he, one. Yeah, he, you know what? He did like recall. He, he did. He certainly did. And I agree really did take. not. Oh, I don't agree with him. No. So, good. Stellar Blade was the next up. Um... Previously titled under Project Eve, James is excited. I'm excited. This looks we're excited. stupid. Yeah, I'm. Did- I'm very excited. When he was like, "Oh, what are we gonna do, Eve? I don't know, Adam." I was like, "Fuck ah. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> this is this is everything hey, I want. The combat w- looks fun." Would you um, agree? Yeah. This was a way better showing than the initial when it was just Project Eve. I, gave I completely no missed about the that. initial showing. So okay. um, I do not know what this was based on at all. This took me completely by surprise. All right, because this second showing thing. kicked so much ass. No, it looks great. That space like the actual mm-hmm. animation and just... The animation. Yes, very the decadent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's giving me Bayonetta vibes, but like not as good as Bayonetta. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I only get a bit of Dead or Alive animation, so um, am oh, I no. like, getting out of bed or... You're, you're, up the, you're barking up the right tree. <laughs> <laughs> Love Dead or Alive. Um... This one looks very cool. I've not, I have no, know nothing about it. But this is called Rise of the Ronin. Just what we needed another samurai game. Um, but this is developed by Team Ninja, and there's a new action RPG that has you playing as a Ronin as they find their way in a new era for Japan. Um, yeah, I'm hyped for this one. It's cool. Do we? Do it's coming 2024? PS5 exclusive, which is oh, so exclusive. Mind. possibly a timed exclusive. Um, there. Do you not have a PS5? And I think we've had no. this conversation. Yeah, we have had this conversation. I'm poor. Yeah, fair. Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> Shit for you, moving on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but before we do move on, uh, so, so two things. One, this game had a really good showing of civilization that Ghost of Tsushima didn't have. Like, we've actually got like urban hubs that look really neat, like very industrialized urban hubs. And there's also seems to be some kind of glider implementation that I'm keen to yeah. see more of. Never seen that before in an open world game. Oh, <laughs> don't diss the glider. James, we like our are, gliders here. You are spicy tonight, mate. That candle, you've lit the candle and it's brought out <laughs> a different side of you. Back. We I'm are sc- in fine form. I'm scrolling <laughs> through this trailer and it, I, there was this bit there I was like, hang on, is this Ghost of Tsushima? Um, you, you'd be forgiven. Also, looks a bit like Assassin's Creed with that eagle thing. Oh no, it's a guy. The, the execute looks very <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Oh, that eagle's a man. I see. <laughs> like what? What's the thing part? That eagle thing. It was just a fucking eagle. Um. We've anyway, lost it, mate. Um. God of War Ragnarok is getting PS5 controller, which. It looks fucking about shit. This? It does. We just what, talked about their ugly. What a rough way to yeah. end their showcase after such a strong showing. Um, Looks then like we got a, a story beer trailer. ad. Oh, we did. We did. We did. Get, uh, so, Sony's Tears of the Kingdom moment was another trailer for Ragnarok. Um, I have not seen it, but I hear Shouldn't. it's very good. 
Yeah, don't, don't watch, watch it. it. It's, watch it's it. so good that you shouldn't watch it. I agree with Adam. Hopefully yeah. this is their last trailer before release. They shouldn't show any more than this. This shows a lot. Please. It shows mm, boss fights. Price. Yeah. There's some things in here that I, I don't know why they would show off already. Um, but it's gorgeous. Know. It shows moments like looking back at the God of War 2018 trailer where it shows the, the world serpent like returning Kratos' axe. Like that's something that you definitely should experience in the game without prior knowledge because it is this very is full of that cool. and it's like there's like four or five of those moments in the trailer does so don't watch you... it it's fucking great does it make you think that maybe i don't know how to phrase this question with not in a super negative way you know when you're like you watch a trailer <laughs> for a film and it's like all the good parts are in the trailer kind of thing and then you see no, oh, i certainly hope not and you go I, eh. I think it shows the the scale that this this sequel is going to go on. And I bet you there's, this is only like tip of the iceberg shit. Okay. Oh, so hyped. So, so hyped. Cool. God of War Ragnarok is coming November 9th uh, yes. this year. So on PS5, of course. Sweet. All right. That's the news. How do we rate the Nintendo Direct out of 10? Nine. Fuck Five. off. Five, yeah. It was made for me. It's a nine. I know, I know. All right. How do you rate the Sony State of Play? Four. Seven. Seven, yeah. Four. God. Look, you can't come in here promoting Hogwarts Legacy to me and expect me to be like, oh, what Mm. a great show, Sony. Thanks for (laughs) that. Also, ending it with God of War, which I have my problems with, which, again, we don't have time for tonight. But we got Stella Blade. And look, that, and that's it, what saves it. That, that's the whole four points. And like right a dragon nation, I thought. Oh be... my boy! Yes. Yeah. Look, I I will be starting my yakuza journey very soon. Uh, once I wrap up the order, that's my next. Uh, that's yours call. going, Adam. You already hit a hit a. Uh, I'm like five or six hours in, so I'm. So you've made no progress. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's slow. All right. Yeah, you've only got about another two hundred hours to go, mate. Okay. Woo. Speaking of two hundred hours, this podcast has been going for way too long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jordan. I'm sorry. I think. Um, off topics. Nothing probably really to talk about. Nathan, give us your 90s film of the week. So Don't this... Take my spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So this week we have a David Fincher film. Remember that old guy? Does anyone need a reminder on David Fincher? You remember David Fincher, Zach? No, right now I don't care. So... Okay. No, <laughs> Social Network. Seven. Oh, yes. Gone okay, Girl. Yes, yes. yes. Okay, yeah. good. The Game, Netflix. <gasps> yes. The Game, starring Gerard Michael Butler. Douglas, oh, yeah. also co-starring Sean Penn. This mm. is a psychological mystery thriller where uh, Michael Douglas's character is a boring investment banker whose brother signs him up for a, something called a game with this mysterious recreational service. And what they seek to do is they do all these evaluations on one of their contenders or someone who has been willing to sign up and pay the fee for this very immersive experience that takes place in the real world, except the problem is, is they don't know necessarily when the game has begun. So all of a sudden, all this weird shit starts happening in his life. He can't tell if it's just day-to-day circumstances or if this game is actually occurring. Because, spoiler alert, after about 10 minutes into the movie, he's told that his game is not going forward. But clearly it is. All of a sudden, all this weird shit starts happening. He can't tell the lines between reality and not. Becomes very paranoid, and I recommend you watch it. It is on Netflix. What do we think about Michael Douglas? 
about Michael Douglas. Mm, uh, he's beyond his prime, but he's had a few good films. Tell you what, though, he has done very well for himself. In what manner? Well, he's not. He's of, no clone tank. I'm, oh, he <laughs> Fucking hell. I wish we could go through one podcast about he saying not clone clean tank. Up Fuck. Like the big clone tank. Um, but Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta Jones, beautiful woman. Speaking of, uh, na- she's in the new <laughs> National <laughs> Treasure, which got a trailer, and I'm very, oh, is she? very excited. Yeah, she's <laughs> in it. Another National Treasure. Oh, cool. I haven't seen Zeta Jones in anything in a long time. Mate, her in um, Ocean's Twelve. Her in With the Clint Master Tank? Zorro. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> blew my little ten-year-old mind. <laughs> We don't need to know when you start going through puberty, mate. <laughs> mate. Mate. Ten. <laughs> yeah. So, um. <laughs> Is someone clipping their toenails again? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm just fucking with <laughs> I think end we'll, it. Yeah, end it. <laughs> Does anybody have anything else? Actually, no, fuck it. We'll, we'll talk about no, it next God, week. please, no. Uh, thank you for listening if you've even made it this far um, of the okay, Well Played yeah. DLC podcast. Chantel, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for being uh, here tonight. Um, it's been great to have you. Hopefully, you can come back. We haven't scared you off. Uh, it was very chaotic, but I love it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the rest of you, have a good week. To everybody else, have a good weekend. Uh, enjoy whatever you're playing, and we will see you next week. Bye now. Well, bye. <laughs>